What's up, everybody? This is Chris from the podcast Real Film Reviewed, and you're listening to Marv on Pods Like Us. And welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv. And this time, I'm, um, I don't know how to word this, I'm joined by three people who, I'll, I'll be honest here, I've uh, been reading a magazine that they all have been involved in over the years called SFX. And they do a great show called Robbie the Robot's Waiting. And first, there is uh, Dave Bradley. Hey, Dave, thanks for being here. Thanks for having us, Marv. Appreciate it. That's okay. And Rich Edwards. Hello. Hello, short and sweet. And <laughs> Tanavi Patel. Hi. Hi. It's like I'm listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you for having us on. It's, it's, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Thank, you, thank you for your kind words and support, supporting us. Yeah. Thank you very much. And thank you for a great show that's, you know, must listen, in my opinion. Well, that's very cool. Oh, thank you very much. She is. Thank you. The interesting thing is that from the off, um, ju- just as an aside, listening to the show, it is actually like a like a, a a podcast version of of reading the SFX magazine in a way. Yeah, I think that was always the plan. Actually, yeah, we um, we wanted to um, basically just kind of. Uh, well, we started with the when the pandemic came along. It was it was a real incentive for us to kind of get together and chat about science fiction and stuff that we love, uh, and make a podcast of that. But very early on, we realised that we wanted to make it a kind of a an audio yeah. magazine. Is that is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah, I think that's really what it was going for. Yeah, I think a lot of it as well. You know, you think about we were very lucky to work in offices with you know, on the magazine with a lot of people who kind of knew really new science fiction and there'd be really cool conversations and just chats about sci-fi and and actually or, or things that often sort of went out into the pub as well yeah. and actually it's been really nice to sort of do that in a podcast and you know as Dave said through the pandemic and in lockdown it was a really nice excuse to just catch up with friends albeit inviting other people to listen in as well yeah, yeah. exactly and we thought go ahead tell me no, in fact, that's <laughs> speaking of the pub, that's kind of where it all kind of began because although we'd talked about it briefly, I think separately and together, we'd really kind of got together. It was day, it was Richard's leaving do when you were leaving SFX, wasn't it? Mm. Where we actually decided that we were gonna go uh and do this thing. And then because everybody was there, um 
the three of us and a couple of others and like Dave Golder initially mm. was involved. Yeah. Um, that's how we kind of got the ball rolling. And then there was a, a bit of sort of messing about trying to record stuff in Bath. And then obviously um, when we all sort of moved separately, tried to kind of do things. And then it was really the pandemic that sort of pushed us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, it was the inspiration, wasn't it? Because it, it, it told yeah. us that we didn't actually have to be in the same place to do it. You know, we yeah. could do it remotely. And it's like, ah. Ah, it, exactly. it, that was the proper eureka moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after 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 <laughs> sort of our time on SFX, yeah, we were kind of living in slightly different places. Dave Golder, of course, was yeah, he was one of the sort of um, founder members, if you like, although he's yep. subsequently not not been in it every episode. But he yeah, but but he he doesn't live in the same town as us anymore, and and so yeah, it was yeah, in- it was the opportunity to do. Canada for a bit. You so. were. That's when we started out. The first, <laughs> yeah. the first Our pilot test. we recorded. Yeah, yeah. That's you were right. in Canada. <laughs> I was, um. and surprisingly, it was quite clear. I think we were like using. I think WhatsApp or something initially. Yeah. I don't know but, how but in the end, we, the sort of, yeah. yeah, we somehow managed to, you know, be inspired by the pandemic to realise that since everyone was working from home, we could we could dial in and do that. But actually, thinking of of like Dave Golder and and you may have heard other people on the show. You know, we um we have a guest every week in which we talk through with them some favorite science fiction and fantasy of old and having worked on sfx with a lot of these people that was that was really you know it gave us a lot of contacts to bring on so i think our first episode had tara bennett on it who was being yeah. like sfx's us correspondent for years and years and and you know i think that's that's sort of given us an excuse to catch up with some old friends during the yeah, pandemic so we as well. do have generally the guests are people who write I guess whether it's for the for SFX magazine or other magazines or authors that's generally where they're coming from in the background yeah. isn't it yeah I think that's it yeah. uh, we've got a, we've actually recorded a few that haven't come out yet that are with the um uh some other sort of folk that we that, that we know from you know comics and books and things mm-hmm. but I think probably the last one that's out there was Joe Abercrombie who's also based locally yeah. to us too yeah. the, uh, yeah. the author yeah yeah um so yeah, good fun. I'm waiting with bated breath for the next episode to come out. Actually, <laughs> it, it, it won't be long. It won't be long. That's we should sort of probably say that. I mean, we're 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 technically are we officially we're officially into our second yes. season. Yeah. We have rejigged the um the, the makeup of the podcast yeah. now, so it's a bit bit less of the news. Um, and a bit more just of sort of what we've been watching and and um, the, our rewind um, section where we review something from days gone by that we all love or or yeah, links in the chat really <laughs> not yeah. so interesting yeah. yeah I think as as you said when we started out earlier on we would wanted to make it sort of like an audio magazine I think there were some great components to it but it was sort of structured like a magazine as well you know we'd start off with sort of what we'd been watching and then there'd be kind of the the, the retro section the looking back thing and then we'd also have some some news in there and I sort of really enjoyed doing that but it it made for quite a long show and also it it kind of dated the show quite a lot because if you're trying to stay on top of the news you have to make sure you do it kind of regularly and if you listen to those podcasts now I think if you go in there you know listening to, and you want to listen to what about Buffy or whatever you also kind of listen to stuff that you know it's interesting in a kind of time capsule kind of way, I guess. You, you got to hear of us us talking about, oh, Black Widow's going to be out soon, kind of thing. But uh, you know, but now in in retrospect, it's, it's kind of fast. So a little bit less of that now. The makeup slightly more kind of. Well, I think we found as well, just with feedback from people. Obviously, people like the the retro stuff, and you know, just talking about stuff that people remember. But I think the the what we've been watching, uh, it's been very gratifying. Yeah. You know, you hear a lot of people saying, "Oh, I found this because." because you mm. talked about it or I started right. watching it and enjoyed it. And actually, in a way, I think that kind of doesn't 
date so much because there's yeah. so much TV and so many films around now that no one can watch everything in one go. So everyone's got this sort of ever expanding to watch list. And then they sort of suddenly hear, oh, now I know what I'm going to put on my list next. And actually that's, that's really nice yeah. to be able to do that. And I think that, you know, we essentially cover a lot of the news in a way with the, what we've been watching, because we do try and keep yeah. up to date in some ways. And we, and we talk about things, even if it's just trailers and more like little events that have happened, then we will mention those things too. So hopefully the audience appreciate that as mm. well. And it, and they don't have to necessarily kind of go, <laughs> go trawling through, um, yeah, kind of it's contemporary at the same time. It doesn't date. Absolutely. So, hey, this is Tim for Bad Counsel. You want some good counsel? Keep listening to the smooth, dulcet tones of Marv on Pods Like Us. <laughs> so, what are your earliest memories of uh, sci-fi or fantasy then, uh, Tanavi? Oh, gosh, starting with me. Um, okay, so then I should probably mention, I'm, I call myself late bloomer when it comes to sci-fi and fantasy I don't think I I really joined the nerdum until I was probably um well definitely an adult but probably 30s really when I sort of became immersed in it growing up I wasn't um I think exposed to that much um I wasn't even allowed to watch that much tv and so I think that kind of made me hungry to watch more tv um I do remember um watching things like the new adventures of superman mm -hmm. with terry hatcher and dean kane and sliders you know that kind of six o'clock yeah, yeah. bbc yeah, slot yeah. which has some really good stuff in there was cartoons like dungeons and dragons and city of gold and they were the ones i'd like run home from school <laughs> to watch uh, you know like really sort of try and get get there before it started um but even things like which probably should have should have been a warning sign that I am a total nerd. Um, even things like Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, that you know, book written by an anonymous, anonymous mm. author, I think back in sort of the 15th century, which is now um aptly being um, I think it's just come out on Amazon as the movie. Yeah, free on Amazon Prime finally, yeah, yeah with Dev Patel as the as Gawain. Yeah. That's one. So for me, I remember reading that, I think when I was sort of 11 or something, thinking this is like a, maybe the earliest version of a superhero. <laughs> I love this. And uh, which is oh, so cool, even though yeah. you're talking about pentameter prose. Mm. But yeah, I remember really liking just random things like that as well. And um, and then, you know, some of the Disney stuff as well, um, Aladdin, things like that, which I think counts in that sort of, um, in, in the genre. But those were kind of my. Early Did you just memories. drop the term pentameter into a sci-fi podcast? <laughs> she, she, she did. I did. Great. Wow. Didn't even make a big thing of it. The great work. <laughs> just there. Wow. <laughs> Applause. Thank you. Well, it's normally you guys dropping the big words, and I found one clearly. I'm uh, going to take that. That's cool. That's cool. That's good. That's good. Um, uh, I, I think you could definitely have Aladdin as well. By the way, I love Aladdin. I think that's great. Good. I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. That's my favourite Disney. <laughs> I think it always will be. Mm. One of Robin Williams' best. Oh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. He was amazing. Yeah, so good. Absolutely. What, what about your memories, uh, Dave? Yeah, well, so I, I've, I've been a, um, a, a sort of science fiction and, and fantasy geek since I was, um, well, since I can remember, you know, I, like my whole life. So um, 
uh, I went to see Star Wars when I was young, and it must have come out when I was about four years old. And uh, it's although I, it, it's possible that I saw other movies before then. I suppose. I mean, I, I can't imagine that I reached sort of four or five years old without seeing any Disney. It's unlikely there weren't any films made before nineteen seventy seven. But I, certainly, I remember Star Wars being the, my first big screen memory. So, so it's kind of always been with me. And so, yeah, I, 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 I consider myself, you know, a, a, a lifelong science fiction and fantasy fan, and I've, I've always had those. Those um those memories with me before you know I was, I was, I was kind of flying superheroes and so on. so um so 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 yeah my my early memories definitely definitely Star Wars on the big screen definitely Star Trek at you know on BBC two you know and um all those um seventies and eighties science fiction uh yeah. you know Saturday afternoon shows I, I love all that so so I'm very much kind of immersed in it from the uh, from 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 early on um and uh and. And a big reader, so all, all the books that, that you know that I read as soon as I could. I, I remember, like the first book I remember, kind of absolutely falling in love with, was mm-hmm. the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And again, it can't have been the first book <laughs> I read. And that's the other thing, but it's but I just I just probably couldn't name those before that. But it was certainly the the, the first book that I kind of went, ah, right, this is this is my this is this is my literature, you know, and and really enjoying it and rereading it. Definitely the first book that I reread. So, uh, so yeah, so it's been with me yeah all my life really. You, you and I are similar in our backgrounds of um, of uh, sci-fi and fantasy and adventure. Then from the seventies and eighties programs, yeah. but uh, yeah, exactly. Young yeah. Richard would probably have a uh, later period. I'm guessing. Yeah, though it's going to sound alarmingly similar. Like I'm just sort of jumping on Dave's coattails, really, because I mean, Star Wars was the big one for me, yeah. and I, yeah. I remember. I mean, it would have been showing on TV probably in the mid '80s the original movie and i just remember seeing r2d2 and c3po walking through the desert and i just remember that making a big impact and you know i, I didn't see empire strikes back until it was on tv which would have been quite a lot later it would have been about 88 89 mm. i guess and but i was still obsessed with star wars the figures were just the coolest yeah. thing and you know i just love star wars and that kind of just awakened this massive interest in space you know which i was interested in astronomy you know i you know went on did physics at university because I think that kick-started it. And um, basically anything that had space in it, I would watch. So I'd Star Trek, you know, <laughs> the, the, the original series when that was on BBC Two, Next Generation, I absolutely adored, Babylon 5, X-Files, I had Aliens in it, all the Jerry Anderson stuff when they repeated it. Red Dwarf you know, in your case as well. Right. Watch anything. Yeah. Oh, I love Red Dwarf as Red well. Dwarf. I mean, but that's the thing, Red Dwarf, great sci-fi, but it, it was really like the flag bearer in the early yeah. 90s because, yeah. you know, Doctor Who had finished and it, it, it's, I think it often is underrated as science fiction because some of the ideas in there, they're, they're going toe-to-toe with Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. yeah, but I would watch anything, you know, like the Invaders, um, the, the old sixties American yes. series, which was I never, <laughs> but it had aliens in it, so I was interested. Right. Um, wow. So yeah, that kind of just continued. And, I wonder uh, what would have happened to me if I'd actually watched Star Wars in the cinema in like eighty eight or eighty nine, and I would have been like, yeah. Uh, I would have gone down your route, maybe. I know, but I, I, I didn't watch I it until so I was 26. Because, I, mean, yeah. I mean, my first experience of Star Wars was on, you know, sort of re-watching a recorded off right. the TV video. I, know, I could tell you where the ad, I could still tell you where <laughs> the, the adverts come in Empire Strikes Back, yeah. you know, with a Scott, that Scotch skeleton. How yeah. yeah. did you watch that VHS? Um, it was probably, like, completely grainy oh. by the end of it, was it? 
Yeah, well, even grainier than VHS usually. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it was. I watched it so many times. On Return of the Jedi. I mean, the Empire Strikes Back. I can t- I can hear an audio cue and tell you what bit of the film is. <laughs> yeah. it's kind of yeah. sad. No, no, um, not at all. Not at all. You're you were that you were amongst friends with. That's yeah. that's perfect. That's, that's the level of yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. You're right at home. As an aside, I I never knew till recently that that actual skeleton in that advert was Jerry Anderson uh, produced. What? Yes, that's a Jerry Anderson production because they mentioned they mentioned it on the Jerry Anderson podcast before. Oh Oh, wow! My gosh! And I never realised that until they spoke about it. No, that's a top yeah, re record, not yeah. fade away. Yes, <laughs> re record, not fade away. That's right. That's, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow, there you go. Excellent. Added to your geek knowledge there. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> that's one that will stay. I know we're leveling up right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but I think from all of us, we, we can sort of um go with this, this that I, that I mentioned in my notes. I don't. I don't think. I think we prove that you can like both Star Trek and Star Wars at the same time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we probably all three no of us question. do. I imagine you're the same. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think. Yeah. I think. I mean, Star, Star Wars. I'd say is my first love. But actually, there's a there's so much more Star Trek than there is Star Wars. And there's a lot of Star Wars. Actually, the hit rate of Star Wars isn't always that great. You know, in terms of yeah. movie. You know, it's not like. It, it, it's just that the highs of Star Wars are so so high, but yes, there's so much good Star Trek. And what Star Trek's like? What 750, 800 episodes now? Yeah, yeah, wow. exactly. um, yeah. I think Must that's the thing. Both universes are huge. I mean, if you include all the other stuff around yeah, them the and the you know, books yeah. and everything, I mean, you could literally spend your life in either universe and not watch anything else, but yeah. or read anything else. But I think that's why it's hard to say one or the other, right? Because yeah. for me, even though I don't know as much as Zika's guys about those universes, I definitely love bits of both universes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's, no, I agree. It, it, it's fun. I mean, I, I think all of us like, like both franchises, but I've always had this memory to speak to what you were just saying there, Rich, about the, you know, how, how much was the hit rate of it. Talking to Dave Golder, of course, Dave Golder, the former editor of SFX and a kind of, a, you know, an honorary member of, of, of our podcast, even though it's silent one sometimes, but he, we, we were chatting and um, I remember him saying, we were asked by Sky, movies to him and I to do a little interview about um, whether we preferred Star Trek or Star Wars this exact question we were interviewed really? by Sky to do it wow. and, they, and and they you know the interviewer um, we were both working on SFX at the time and the interviewer did the opening gambit I just remember Dave Golder saying well he said the problem is I actively hate half of all Star Wars <laughs> which is which, which is which is which get the, got the tone off at the start of it and it's kind of there was a point where that was probably true you know after you know there's there's a few few of the big screen movies that aren't you know aren't, aren't held in high regard you know I can, yeah. I can sort of see where he's coming from I think as well that you know this it, they just complement each other really well because they're both they're very different kinds of science fiction I mean Star Star Wars isn't really science fiction I mean it's basically fantasy yeah. in science yeah. fiction clothing whereas Star yeah. Wars is full-on star um sorry well, Star Trek is full-on science fiction um yeah. and you know they've tried to do different things with it, and, and, and you actually then get that weird melting point pot with J.J. Abrams' Star Trek, where this was a guy who hadn't really grown up with Star Trek, 
but sort of basically Star Wars it up and made a very effective audition to make a Star Wars movie later in his life. The uh, if I recall correctly, Tannery, your yeah. introduction to Star Trek is actually the JJ Abrams of 2009, right? Because you you're a, yes. a late you came to Star Trek late. That's, that's really interesting because I, I think that's a, I think it's a really fun film, but it's because yeah. it's sort of it's it's standing on the shoulders of what I remember from Star Trek from my yeah. youth. So you sort of sort of short saw it fresh. Yeah, um, I mean, we we did, talk about this a bit more, don't we, in an upcoming um, yeah. podcast. But basically, although, you know, Star Star Wars and Star Trek are both in the zeitgeist so much that it's not like I didn't know the characters yeah, and yeah. the backgrounds and things like that. I did. But in terms of, yeah, watching the movies and and um, following them through yeah Chris Pine is my is my captain and <laughs> um, which sounds nuts which sounds totally nuts to most people but I, and I loved it yeah. and I think that's the thing is if I love that you know I kind of think oh if only I'd sort of encountered you know the previous iterations at you know in my sort of more formative years I think I would have really been a complete geek um, but I think even then I loved it and so for all those people who who kind of moan about it not being a great movie well it's it's what introduced me to mm. star trek really and what made me want to watch loads more and then i did and and we talk about how i watched picard before the next generation oh yeah <laughs> amazing and, amazing yeah and um but now i'm watching the next generation and i'm like damn it why didn't i see all this before um yeah so i i sound sometimes I, I feel like a bit, bit of a fraud sometimes when I talk about sci-fi because I feel like I'm late to it, but I am still very enamored by it. And it's just, I guess, a different perspective when you when you learn about these things almost retrospectively and then you you approach them from a different way. But I think, yeah, Star Trek for me, even though that was my introduction, I still have a lot of love for it. And I really hope they do make another <laughs> another one with Chris Pine, but I, we'll see what happens. <laughs> hey there, this is Bobby with the Rock Guys podcast, and you are listening to Marv Smooth on the Pods Like Us podcast. Check him out. I think what we're saying is the only acceptable answer to this question, Star Wars or Star Trek, is probably Stargate. <laughs> what? <laughs> Franchise, franchises with star in the title. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, love Stargate too, though. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. Even the film. Great film. Yeah. I, I, I like film. the film. Yeah. 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 So do I. Um, but um, oh, what was I going to say? I knew I was going to say something there. I, I think it's interesting, though, sometimes when people uh, come to a franchise later because. I know some people on uh, on like Star Trek pages on Facebook will suddenly mention Deep Space Nine, for instance, from Star Trek, which I think people are reevaluating now, and I think is more resident now than it was back then because you, it was almost like Deep Space Nine was before its time. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think people forget. Uh, uh, you know, I think watching Star Trek The Next Generation now, one of the wonderful things about it is that it's so episodic. You know, you can yeah. watch one, you haven't got to worry of, you know, where you are in the continuity. Um, and that's how TV was in the 90s. Uh, but then Deep Space Nine came along. 
then Deep Space Nine came along and there was so much more serialization to it. I mean, yeah. I think the network were kind of resistant to it and they almost had to sneak it in because that wasn't the model of the time. But, you know, they're kind of setting the blueprint in a way that Babylon 5 did even more for the kind of long form storytelling that has become basically standard in TV now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting to me because I, I, of all the Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine is possibly the one that I've kind of enjoyed the least. And sort of to speak to what you're saying, Marv, I, I sort of later in life come to have a different appreciation of Deep Space Nine later, I think, because my sort of early, my sort of formative love of Star Trek was it's kind of Gulliver's Travels like mm. quality, you know, each episode they go to a different place and, you know, they're always kind of moving on and discovering, you know, that the final frontier. And they're kind of, you know, even like Voyager was always, they go somewhere and they sort of learn something about their humanity in the, you know, in the, in the, in the face of wherever they, they are. And, and, you know, compared to that, of course, DSS9 was more sort of rooted in that one location about the politics of Bajor and so on. Yeah. And I sort of didn't get that when I was younger, but recently kind of rewatching it again, I, I, I realized how, just how sort of intelligent it is. Yeah. It's, 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 I think it. I see it almost as a precursor to what uh, what and what um, oh the the creator oh, what he ended up doing with Battlestar Galactica. Oh, Ron D. Moore. Oh, yes. Ron D. Oh, Moore. Oh, yeah, Ronald yeah. D. Moore. Yeah, because yeah, he was yeah, one yeah. of the big producers of Star Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Well, yeah, yeah and I, I think um, Battlestar Galactica was very much a reaction against Star Trek. You know, the, the, not that he hated Star Trek, Ron D. Moore, because yeah. it was what gave him his career you know the star trek next generation had a, an open submissions policy uh, and they discovered a load of great writers from it and one of them was ronald d moore and after a while i think a lot of the writers found that the idea that they had to write in this universe where there couldn't be much tension in, within the crew because it was this utopian future was really frustrating and obviously he loved telling stories in space and he with Battlestar Galactica, he kind of riffed on, I guess with the original Battlestar Galactica, a show that was just one of the great missed opportunities. You know, it, it was this brilliant idea about a bunch of people being chased out of their homes by angry robots <laughs> and it turned it into disco. You know, it, it was just a brilliant idea just with the wrong styling. And, and obviously they spent so much money at the beginning, we couldn't really carry on with that. And the studio got cold feet and, and actually when you come in with the tone that Ronald D. Moore did, it was just spot on. And um, yeah, it, it, but I don't think that would have happened if there wasn't that kind of, mm, I'm not being able to do exactly what I wanted to on Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. But you, 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 you had, a, there were a lot of writers and people who were producers for, for Deep Space Nine who weren't involved in the other Star Trek series, possibly mm. because of that, um, that difference between them. I mean, you, you wouldn't find, I don't think Robert Hewitt Wolf wrote for any of the other Star Trek shows, for instance. Mm. Um, and none of the other shows had that um, incredible amount of uh, so many characters that they were writing for, not even the main characters, but yeah. not just the main characters, but all of the extra characters as well, as well around it. It made it more yeah. of a... It was exactly what the it, they made it exactly what they were trying to do, which was like almost like a, a frontier town. So you've got yeah. all these different yeah. characters that were there, which you wouldn't have on a starship because it's just like mainly the bridge staff and maybe a few other people on the starship. And then wherever they go, it's the incident of the week on any of the other Star Trek series. That's a really good point. Yes. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I'd, Deep Space Nine is as Deadwood. I hadn't thought of that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, 
Okay, so for anybody listening, uh, I think I think it'd be fascinating for them to find out about your histories with the SFX magazine. And I know Dave was the first of you to be involved. I think That's or was correct. Rich yeah. first? Yes. Yeah. No, there's not not much in it, but yeah, Dave was slightly first. Slightly yeah. first, yeah. So I I, um, I I was reading SFX since um, you know since launch. Um, I absolutely loved it. I was obviously as a big science fiction fan, but I was working for the company that published SFX Future Pub. Publishing. Uh, in other capacities, I was a, a, a games and technology journalist, and uh, I've been editing the official Microsoft Windows magazine, which Future made under license, and um, uh, and I was working on that. Uh, and um, the editorship of SFX came along, which is Dave Golder, after editing the magazine for nine or ten years, um, uh, left, and 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 so I. Uh, I, 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 I applied. That was my that was my chance to move over and uh, from from the uh, the computing division where I was at that time um, to to work on the Mac and combine my my love of making magazines uh, with my love of science fiction and, and and I joined in two thousand and five, which was great. And then I um, the following year you joined Richards, didn't you? You came as news editor, I think. That was right. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, Dave went on a sabbatical for three months and came back and found a new news editor so I was appointed <laughs> while Dave was on basically on an extended holiday but yeah um before that I worked on a film magazine called Hot Dog uh for about four years and that folded um and it was very fortunate that at the time that Hot Dog was finishing SFX was editing ed- advertising for a news editor position which I applied for and got and so I moved to Bath and um was able to imburse my so I moved to Bath and was able to immerse myself in geekery, which was fantastic. So yeah, started off as news editor and became deputy editor and then uh, editor later. So yeah, it, it, and I was on the mag for I think for about twelve and a half years in the end. Wow, 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 well, I didn't realize it just doesn't time fly. That's yeah, I didn't realize it was quite that long. Yeah, I, th- I think I I must have edited it for about nine years and then and then moved on. Um, yeah, so we we'd worked together for most of that time from guess yeah. from two thousand six onwards. Yeah, it was, it was good. We and it, it, we. Um, at future publishing in that time, you know, a lot, you know, a lot happens in, in ten years, doesn't it? We sort of moved around quite a lot, and uh, you know, from office to office, and in that. Oh god, time, yeah. yeah. I mean, we worked yeah. in every floor of the future's building, <laughs> different offices, because because we were kind of paired with Total Film in a division, and they were based in London, so we were easy to move. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we, we got to right. sit with ads, we got to sit with marketing, all sorts. We we saw the company in ways that no one else did. Yeah, and of course in that period we did it. You know, we did a bunch of stuff as well. You know, we 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 launched a bunch of specials. We launched a spin-off magazine in in Comic Heroes, and also later um, one about one called Crime Scene. But also we had the the SFX Weekender for a few years, yeah. which you know was simultaneously amazing and terrifying. Trying to create like you know live live conventions is a whole other challenge that you know that, that goes with while you're trying to make magazines at the same time. So so yeah, that but um, yeah, exactly. Mm. So so uh, so a lot, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, oh, it was uh, it was it was amazing. You know, uh, I think, what I a think magazine to be on. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, Rich. You, I mean, I think probably all three of us at various points still over the last few years have still contributed to the magazine, right? I oh, still do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I get a bit annoyed if there's an issue when I haven't been in it. I, I think I was trying to keep a continuous run, and I think about five or six issues in after I'd left, I just there was one review that was bumped or something. I was like, ah, and I was like, I'll never get that run back. <laughs> it's, it's like Dave Gold. It's like Dave Golder. Just when you think yeah. he's gone, it comes right back again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, yeah, that, exactly. that guy's been there from day one and he's still there now after yeah. all these years. It's amazing. 
be. Well, now I think he wants to let the record go, does he? He wants to be in every issue. That's right. Never, never <laughs> yeah. break the chain. Yeah, of course he's in every issue. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Dave's such a you know like a connoisseur of TV, isn't he? He watches so much. I think that you know yeah. that, that, that he's, he's always a good person to to go to for that. And of course, Tanabe, you're. Um, you know your your background. You came. Did you did you kind of start working on events and things before you started writing? Yeah. What so your, I think I. Into? Yeah, I mean, I think I started. I think was, I started freelancing. I think it was December twenty seventeen, um, when Rich gave me gave me the chance to um, to work on SFX, and I was so chuffed. Um, <laughs> I remember taking loads of pictures of that magazine, going yay, because um, <laughs> I felt like I'd made it in a way. And um, but prior to that, I mean, I'd. I'd sort of really um, started writing for fan sites for certain shows that I loved, like um, Haven and Chuck and things like that. And then I sort of um, started, I guess, blogging and and doing interviews and things um, related to those shows. And then it became a bit more widespread and um, was doing more interviews at, at conventions and things. And then I got hired to be a host um, at MCM Comic Come, um, and that's where I met Dave Golder, mm-hmm. and because he was working on the magazine for MCM Comic Con, so MYM magazine. Oh yeah. And so I was obviously hosting and interviewing and doing other sort of bits um, of writing and things on the side too. Um, and then yeah, so so he kind of took me under his wing a little bit and said, well, um, if you want to write for MYM magazine, then you know. Um, we'll see how that goes and that went quite well and I used to cover really random stuff for them as well I remember like I wrote um, um, a feature on Murdoch Mysteries which was sort of top of their <laughs> top of their um, website for like a month and um, so yeah there's things like that and then um, yeah and then obviously through him I um, came to know Rich and Dave and then that's how I ended up freelancing for SFX. I'm Agent Scott and I'm Cam the Provocateur, and we're from the Spy Hards Movie Podcast. That's right, and you are listening to Pods Like Us, the podcast that has a license to thrill. Yeah, in fact, talking to you three about the, the history of you all in SFX reminds me of um, that great, uh, was it a two-part uh, where you were... All of the ex ed- all of the editors from SFX That's were right. all talking yeah. together. That was fantastic, but yeah. it must have been a nightmare to edit that one, Rich. <laughs> uh, not not too bad actually. I mean, I think often when it, it's all one subject, uh, and we did split it across two episodes, which made did, a yeah. big yeah. difference. Um, now that one wasn't too bad, as far as I remember, and I, I, we really enjoyed doing that one. Um, I mean, that, that was. Kind of, I think people I mean, that, got that was more a... drunk, right? Progressively drunk towards the end, <laughs> which made it more interesting, yeah. probably for the edit. I mean, that was kind of opportunism, really, because we're thinking, well, SFX is twenty-five years old. We're kind yeah. of uniquely positioned to get all the editors together, seeing as forty yeah. percent of them are on the podcast anyway. Um, so yeah, and it, we we still we see Dave and Matt very regularly. That uh, you know they're in the area, and Darren, uh, who's the, the the current editor, you know he was very keen to be involved as well. So it was just a really fun thing to do, and and actually mm. 
I think of all the episodes we've done, we've probably had the nicest sort of feedback from that, particularly from people in, who, who work in magazines who kind of like listening to it just to hear what magazines were like in the 90s and the noughties mm. and just reminiscing on, on that side of it. it you know, it, it, I think it was fun for all of us to hear each other's stories. And, you know, all of us, I think, had slightly different challenges because, you know, the 90s was a great time for magazines. But there wasn't that much sci-fi out there. You know, no. magazines were selling loads back then, but, you know, and they were really driven by X-Files and Buffy. And you compare it to now, you know, where obviously magazines are competing against the internet, but there's so much sci-fi. You know, yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, it came out, it, it's, it's so serendipitous that it came out when it did, considering, you know, that very soon you'd have, the, you'd have Buffy and all of yeah. these things would suddenly come and it, it's like as the SFX magazine grew, so did the actual sci-fi genre itself as well. I think Matt Bealby, who's a launch editor, and Dave Golder deserve a lot of credit for pushing for that for the launch. Um, you know, for actually seeing what was about to happen. Uh, you know, and I think that there's actually some ch- big changes quite early on in SFX, just in terms of the first three issues of movies. I mean, famously, the first issue was Tank Girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it's, I think the, the issue where it really kicks off, I think it's issue four, where they put the X-Files on the cover. Yeah. Because uh, I think they hadn't been thinking TV was going to do much for them. And obviously the X-Files, it, it was just the right time. This was a show that um, did that rare thing of being a sci-fi show that was an absolute mainstream hit that everyone wanted to talk about. And then a few years later, you got Buffy. And I think when the first Buffy cover was considered a bit of a risk, because, you know, what is this show from America about a teenage girl who kills vampires and obviously based on an unsuccessful unsuccessful movie exactly and then you know you look at the subsequent five years and it was going through phases where every two or you know pretty much one in two one in three issues had someone from buffy or angel on the cover (laughs) it was just (laughs) the thing oh yeah yeah i found it funny actually about the uh i think i pointed it out when it came out the um when they had picard i mentioned that I think Jerry Ryan was on two or three SFX covers in, you know, one after the other. But you're probably right. Mm. Yeah. I think, mm. I, I think I remember that. Yeah, she was. Because they were celebrating the anniversary of uh, Voyager at the same time, I think. Yeah. Mm. Sounds, about, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's even- funny as well. Cause when you, you know, I obviously don't haven't done it as much as these guys, but when I sort of mentioned to people, Oh, I'm, you know, can I interview first effects and things like that? They'll know the magazine and they'll remember, oh, I was on the cover at this time. And I remember <laughs> yeah. it. And, and it is amazing that people, it it means that, you know, to people. And um, and these are obviously people who've been interviewed quite a lot, but um, you know, they'll go, Oh, yeah. And I, I remember I was on the cover for this and and I had a big feature in SFX for this movie. And it's like, yeah, wow. So it's nice to know, I think, that it has that prestige even among the celebrities. But, but even there with the celebrities, I mean, I, I get the impression that they they have a certain pride about the work that they've done in, in the genre, that, uh, that even the Star Trek actors and actresses from back then and the people who worked on it have a pride for that, that they that isn't the same as some of the other work that they've done. And it's just a genre that I think brings that out in people. 
Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's, I mean, partly because it's got such an active fan base. So, yep. you know, uh, yeah. uh, uh, mm. if, you, if you, you know, star in Star Trek, you're you're kind of guaranteed a certain, you know, amount of um, adoration and, and so on. But yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's, it's, a, you know, it's a genre of imagination as well. And they get to take their characters in really interesting places. So, so absolutely, I think they've got some affection for them. But, but yeah, it, I, you know, there, there are, conventions and things for crime and uh, and other genres horror particularly but there's something you know quite quite familial and and um supportive and and fun about the science fiction genre and the science fiction conventions so yeah i think actors can take you know take a lot of pride in, in in the work and and usually we're very fortunate i think to to kind of encounter people who are you know very very grateful to the fans and very you know very keen to sort of interact with them yeah, and going back to the show where you were taught to the where all the different uh, editors of SFX were in, I got that same sort of feel from you all. Where it felt as though you guys were always in touch with each other, one way or another, and and it's just like a a, a family that's grown from that. Even if none of you, even if some of you haven't worked at the same time in the magazine, mm. th- there's there's like a family familial bond in there that you've all got i think that's yeah that was a very um astute observation yeah because I, I think there's not that many people who've worked for sfx and i think that says a lot about the magazine you know there's only been five editors in 26 years yeah. and actually you know you've had ian berryman who's the um, deputy editor now he's been on the mag since i think 20 years nick setchfield was there for a similar amount of time as features editor um people love working on sfx so they don't move on so you know people kind of really get to know each other and you know have enjoyed working together um you know we we had wonderful times working together you know in a long time for a long time dave golder and matt bealby would be working on other projects with us so we'd all be overlapping um so and you know they are people who you can go to because you know that they know their stuff on a certain area. So they keep getting asked back to do stuff on the magazine. So yeah, I, I think it, it's a very nice um, little, I guess, a little club to be part of. Hey, this is Brian with Concerts That Made Us podcast. And you're listening to Pods Like Us, a great show about other great shows. You've preempted me there because I was going to say, it's also shown by the fact that you, you still return every now and again to write articles, but both you and yeah. Dave. Uh, yeah, 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 we do. As, as, as we said, I, I, I try to be in, um, you know, as many issues as I can. I, I think because I mostly <laughs> concentrate on book reviewing now. I, I, I mean, probably slightly fewer articles than than, than Rich, but yeah, Ta- you know, and Tanavi contributes as well. And, and yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's a nice old. Um, uh, as you say, it's a nice old kind of uh, little group of group of people who. Because the other thing is, of course, we've all got a very similar interest by nature you can't work on a mag like sfx without being um no. you know passionate about the subject matter so so we've got we've always got that to talk about if if uh, if we meet in the in the pub you know if Tanami yeah. comes to bath or we go out with dave golder or you know you're guaranteed we still keep like matt, matt bealby who was the, the launch editor we still hang out with him sometimes and you know you're always going to guarantee a good old conversation about what's on at the cinema or whatever yeah i think you know as a freelancer that you know some things you do just keep the sort of money ticking over and other things you do for fun um and you know mm-hmm. if i'm asked to write a review of you know sometimes it's a, a terrible sort of straight to video thing i'll, I'll do it because i like writing for sfx and i like writing about sci-fi 
um and you know and i you know occasionally write features and do interviews um you know i i still write a fair bit about star wars for the mag which is it's nice to have a niche um but yeah i i really like writing for sfx and you know i'm proud to be associated with it well writing for star wars at the moment you you, you're in the perfect time with the mandalorian because that's just fabulous oh yes Yes, and Book of Boba yeah. Fett at the end of yeah. the year. Oh, end God, of the year, wait. only just at the end of the year, but yes, right at the end of December. You're very excited about that. Can't wait, can't wait. Absolutely. And uh, so it is an interesting one. So um, do, do any of you uh, remember the first time that you interviewed someone who was a uh, hero of yours or an icon from a show that you loved? Um, wow. Rich? Oh, first one. Um, or one, I should, that's, I should, one that stands yeah. out. Yeah. Stand, okay, oh, standouts. Um, hang on. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? I, I, you know, I, 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 I'll let you answer which will rack my oh. brains. But funny, funny enough, it's fine. Remembering the first one is kind of harder than, I mean, there's plenty of standouts. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't yeah. remember the first one I did. No, sorry, go ahead. I, I think the big one for me was uh, Guillermo del Toro. This was when I was back on Hot Dog. Oh, and... Yeah. Uh, it was for the first Hellboy film and just encountering a guy who was, I I just, I guess just so proud to be a geek and so enthusiastic. And he's talking to you and you're thinking, this is all gold. This is just wonderful, (laughs) wonderful quotes. Um, So, you know, that, that was a really nice formative experience, but I've been really lucky um, over the years to, you know, interview loads of people who are heroes. I mean, I, I interviewed Ridley Scott. Which obviously, you know, the guy by Blade Runner and Alien, you know, that he's right at the top of the pantheon of Star Wars direct, uh, sorry, of science fiction directors, mm. um, and I, I get, you know, Comic Con, and you, you get to be in the room, you know, you'd be sitting suddenly sitting next to Robert Downey Jr. talking about Iron Man mm. and stuff. So, yeah, mm. I, the, the, you meet various doctors. Uh, yeah, it, it's one of those where someone asks, "Oh, who's the best person you interviewed?" and you kind of just clam up because it's like oh god well that person was good and you, you th- and and you suddenly think oh god i did that one i did that one and <laughs> you, you can get a little bit oh wow you know and at the time it's a job you know and you walk into the room uh, oh actually I can't believe I've, luke skywalker mark hamill that was it yeah. <laughs> I was like, for the last jedi i interviewed mark hamill and it was wow. just amazing i mean i i didn't get many questions in because he, he just talked but you know i'm sort of sitting there i'm in the presence of luke skywalker um and you know, you do think. I think when you first start doing it, you you have this sort of, oh God, I'm with this really famous person. What am I going to do? And then very quickly, this it thing clicks in your head, like, no, but you got to do a job. You can't really go back to your editor and say, eh, I didn't get anything because I sort of became a quivering wreck. Um, <laughs> so you kind of have you do have to treat it as a job. But then you can kind of look back at it and think, oh yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, good luck editing that. <laughs> <laughs> I may I not edit at all. <laughs> Tanavi. Um, no, I was just thinking. I I remember um, this is this is so by the way, but it's just one of those really random moments and um, that I remember. And I think he's an icon, I guess. But um, I remember Rich kindly sent me to Manchester once to um, cover some interviews at a convention and. I interviewed the Hoff 
in a oh, Star wow. Wars style oh. cantina because um, I was waiting I was waiting for Shatner and the half turned up and it was really surreal and I was just sat there chatting to him and then really I, I don't even I just remember looking at his face going it's all a bit of a blur like he'd always had work done and I couldn't quite make out like the, the his features and he was talking but you couldn't really hear what he was saying and then he just gets up and is like let's pose and take some photos and it was just really random moment wow. I was like let's do it this is the hop why wouldn't you <laughs> in the Star Wars cantina that feels like the ultimate piece yeah. of crossing the streams I know I know it just added that's the surrealism it was amazing yeah that's funny <laughs> he just needed Dan Aykroyd to turn up as well oh <laughs> my god <laughs> what was the what was the occasion why were why were Shatner and Hoff uh in the same so, building yeah so it was one of the it was a convention it's like was it a sci-fi heroes convention something like that right. they had these huge names they're like so Shatner was there um Billy D Williams the half um there's quite a few people there there's quite a few Star Wars people Ian McDermott was there oh, wow. and um yeah and I think SFX was sponsoring the event so yeah um yeah, so they were supposed to have like, and they set up this proper press room, like the BBC and ITV, and people were like, and I like we had these booths, right, as in the canteen, um, like you do in the um cantina, okay. um, sort of like arches, right? Yeah, and it was like picking orders, so I was sort of in the seventh arch, and the BBC and ITV and Netflix and stuff were like further up, and um, yeah, so I was just sort of sat there waiting and expecting Shatner and honestly getting so nervous and then the Hoff turns up because Shatner I think in the end didn't do interviews um but yeah I think it was just for that I don't think there was like yeah it wasn't like they were planning to do like I mean I can imagine like like a movie like Expendables type movie with all those kind of sci-fi older guys in that would be amazing they could all go into space with Shatner yeah, yeah. Oh, he's not in space right now is he, is he at the time of recording Where oh well, no, no no very unlikely because he's only been there like like 20 minutes isn't oh, he okay. it's, it's not really space but you know it's fine right yeah yeah <laughs> How strange is it that he's actually going into space? Yeah. I know, right? I know. Wow. And he's That's 90 just, years old. I hope I'm, I hope I'm, you know, able to travel when I'm 90 years old, let alone go into space. I hope I'm able to walk at that age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what, what about yourself, Dave? How many, you know, sort of any standout interviews that you've had over the years? Yeah, I guess it's hard. It is hard to remember sort of the the, the first ones, but yeah, I've, I've been fortunate to interview some people that I, you know, I've I've uh, admired. I mean, it, it, the I, I do a lot of author interviews. Um, I mean, I, I have I have interviewed William Shatner um, some years ago. You might remember, Rich, I did him at San Diego Comic Con, didn't I? I think yeah, to, yeah, twenty twelve or something, twenty thirteen. But um, so I've done you know a few few people that I I would like, but but I did a lot of authors. Um, and you know, for instance, I was a huge Ian M. Banks fan. Um, yes. Obviously, sadly, sadly missed now, of course. Um, but uh, but I got to interview him a few times, and those are very happy memories. You know, I, I love the culture series of books, and so a chance to sit down with him a couple of times. I, I did once in London, once in Manchester, and he came to Bath on one occasion, which was which was fantastic. And and um, got to interview in the interview him in the pub. I think it was I think it was the Star. There you go. Oh, there we go. So it was a, but really nice. That was that's that's a standout because of course he's fantastic. But but um, yeah it's difficult to put your finger on it you, the, the you go to a convention as you say um uh Tanavi, i know you've done it you, you've done several and we you know I, rich and i've been mm. fortunate to go and take 
um take sfx to san diego and um that, that's been great fun so yeah if you i i, I have done um Mulder and Scully. Let me give that one as a standout one. Now, I, 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 I've interviewed. I did. I did the X Files, so that was great. So I have interviewed them, which is fantastic. G'day, g'day. This is Matty C from the Astros Fantasy Football Podcast, way down in Australia, and we love getting to listen to Marv meet new podcasters from all over the world here on the Pods Like Us podcast. Can I just chip? I was just going to say, I completely forgot, but Jeff Goldblum, who was everything you could want and more. So I was interviewing for Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom, which of course he's barely in, you know, but they wheeled him out for the press. And I was um, in LA on Universal lot and they had this sort of motorhome where you do the interviews and it sort of, publicist says, oh, Richard, this is Jeff. Jeff, this is Richard. And he just goes, what? Your name is Winter? No, 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 it's Richard. Oh, I just totally misheard. I'm now trying to think what season I'd be named after. <laughs> <laughs> and they say you just then then spend the next 20 minutes just with this just proper gold blooms, the fingers moving everywhere, just wonderful weirdness. That that it was uh, that that was an absolute standout. That's amazing. I yes. also think that was quite a good impression, Rich. <laughs> I wasn't bad. I, I've, I've played back that interview many times. <laughs> You're going to have to pull that out for a future episode. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> but on, 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 as a as a tangent to that, then uh, I mean, I mean, you've you've I think all three of you have also been on sets as well. So, how how, how difficult is it to? go to sets where films are being filmed and then keep everything to yourself for months and months before you actually get the article out there. Um, Sorry, I was going to say, well, there's a little bit of, well, obviously you try to be as professional as possible. So you're you're mindful of the fact that you want to, you work in an industry and they've got a job to do and you've got a job to do and you want to be invited back. There's there's also very often you have to sign a, sign a quite a weighty NDA NDA as well, a non-disclosure agreement. So you're also conscious of the fact that some lawyers have have told you to be quiet and that's, that's it. That helps Mm. quiet the tongue a little bit. But but you're right. It is hard. Sometimes when you, when you do go and, and, you know, experience something early on, which, you know, maybe a, a set visit or an early interview or something. Yeah, it, it, you know, obviously you're sort of desperate to see it, and then may, maybe it gets delayed or something. I feel bad for all the people who were who uh, did early interviews for June or whatever. And then mm. had, to, had, yeah, had to wait. Yeah, uh, but I mean, uh, I've, yeah. I've been in a position where I've actually forgotten um, <laughs> because they. I remember like one that the they sort of said to me, "Oh, you can put this out." I sort of did a set of interviews which were. Um, pressing and they were like okay those can be released and then there was one I did with like a showrunner and he started talking about the next season and they were like no you can't you can't release that until the launch of the next season and then the launch of the well at that time nobody knew when that was going to be and then so I just kind of banked it and I just couldn't I almost forgot about it and then I suddenly you know and it's like almost I think it was almost a year later that um that I remember reading, oh, they're going to release that now. And then suddenly remembered, oh, I've got this interview. I haven't been able to do anything with. So, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> must have been that sounds really bad. Yeah. So I was moving it unprofessional, but yeah, I just didn't know. It's a bit like the new mutants, you know, where some of those to became, you know, the actors became became adults from being children when they made the film. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Got, did, Rich, didn't you see it, the new mutants earlier or something? Did I, did I imagine that? Oh no no no! Okay. I, I I saw it in the cinema, um, oh, well, fine, I, I, which I regretted. But I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
but I, I think you get into this kind of state of just assuming you can't say anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the hardest bit comes. That's the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. The hardest bit isn't like when you're still a year and a half two years away from release it's when you start getting to six months away and things have started to come out like trailers yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or you might have seen another interview elsewhere and then you can't remember if that was something that you're embargo for from the set visit or if it's come out since and, and it's like what can I talk about here so that's mm. where it kind of becomes a bit of a minefield mm. um but you know you, you, you um non-disclosure agreements are part of it and actually they've really helpful and it's certainly with like reviews of new releases because quite often they'll put a screening on and there'll be a time and date where they could just say now you can talk about it and i think most journalists would tell you it's much better to have that non-disclosure agreement and see the film early than sort of see the film like the day before it comes out and have to rush the review um mm. so you know they're, they're kind of useful but yeah sometimes when you're sort of not supposed to tell anybody even what city you've been to. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's, it's like you're, you're really SAS agents, but for a magazine. <laughs> See, undercover, undercover. I wish. That's right. <laughs> you're, you're making it sound more glamorous than it is very often. Yeah. It's exactly like that. I was going to say, that's true. That's very true. It's not always that great. So- <laughs> So, so with with Robbie the robot, uh, it's changed, like you said, over time. So, um, I mean, and and when you approached it initially, looking at it as a an audio version of basically SFX or uh, top sci fi magazine, but in audio form, were, were you did you think at that point of actually having like a big guest on the show? like the magazine or did you or were you looking at the more uh fun side of the magazine and the banter side that you have with the jokes and that sort of thing and the the reviews that you did in the sh- in the sh- in the magazine we did discuss it didn't we we did yes yeah, it's funny you should say that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. i think yeah. the discussion was always i think in my mind it was always quite going to be quite a big thing i think lockdown was a really big um, epiphany in all sorts of ways not just the fact that it meant we could do it remotely but um, I, I mean I listened to quite a few football podcasts and I think the Guardian one in particular they realized oh we haven't got any football to talk about and they started talking about retro matches you know they'd go mm. back to England v Argentina in the 1986 World Cup and see how you know what it's like watching it now and actually oh that's brilliant. You know, do the retro thing, you know, you can say to your listeners in advance what you're going to be watching so they can sort of catch up on it as well. And you can kind of discuss, it, I guess, like a book club. Um, and then the guest thing as well, I think it was kind of twofold. First of all, it's a bit of variety. Um, you know, you're getting a different voice on, you're getting an expert who can sort of give you a different bit of insight on the, the movie or TV show, whatever you're talking about. But also we're thinking, you know, we get a guest on who's got a bit of a following. Hopefully they can help promote the podcast and sort of put us out on Twitter and talk about talk about us and bring in new listeners. So it kind of, it, there was a bit of strategy to it, but, it, you know, both editorially and actually getting the podcast out there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we still do, we don't talk about it. At the start, I remember you, right, we did, in addition to the sort of what we do now, we had, when it was really early on before lockdown, we'd kind of brainstormed the idea that maybe, yeah, we'd have, we might even have interview packages where we spoke to, 
you know, authors mm, yeah, or, yes. or whatever. And that was something that we, we definitely did talk about. But as, as you, you said there, uh, Marv, you know, when you, there was a, a point, I think when lockdown came along, we just didn't sort of enjoy the, the, the banter of it and getting on people that we knew from the, the, the Magal and the three of us. I think found you know it's quite easy to sort of talk about the stuff that we were watching and we quite enjoyed doing that sort of thing and you know I wouldn't necessarily rule out us ever doing you know interview packages or something but we've just it just didn't seem to be that that essential once we kind of got into the rhythm of it. Do you remember we were talking we did talk yeah, about it didn't we? We did, we? we did yeah. 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 We did I think I think if I yes I remember yeah a few times and I think because we always thought we were going to have guests on the podcast but then the first few it was guests who who were more you know our mates or people we work with and then so I guess like, you know, the, the kind of celebrity like actors or people like that, that you're sort of mentioning got pushed yeah. down the, the sort of list. And then after a while, we kind of realized, well, actually, this is kind of a good way yeah. to go with using, you know, writers really who, and, and authors and, and journalists and other people in the genre. Although, you know, the genre is so huge, there's, you know, so many different sort of elements to that. Like we're going to talk about anime uh, in the next one. And and so we did think about it, but I think, like you said, it just as, as the podcast evolved, we found that that kind of banter we were getting from, from like-minded people in our, um, yeah, sort of in our field seemed to um work better for us and kind of became our USP really so we could and then we could talk about like what we've been talking about now those kind of stories when you when you do meet um you know the the stars and the showrunners and the behind the scenes and all those kind of things that kind of add into mm. just the the flavor of, of a review or um your memories of a, a certain um show or movie yeah Hey, it's Gil from The Today's Mind Culture and Social Podcast. And you're listening to Pods Like Us. Yeah, I suppose in, in a way, if you were talking to people who were involved in shows that were, got, that were being made now and coming out now, in a sense... What, what Dave was saying with it being almost retro based on your show, it would timestamp it in a, in, in a way, whereas the, not having them doesn't do that. So you can come to yeah. the show at any point and listen to any episode. I mean, yeah. you know, you will be talking about some shows that are on at the moment, like you, you did deep dives on The Mandalorian and on Discovery. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, like, like I said, if, if you were talking to, uh, I don't know, uh, somebody about the new season of Lucifer or something that st- date stamps it to when that season's out because you t- you're saying this season that's out now. Whereas if you're yeah. talking about something in general, I mean, g- going back on something from earlier, and I was going to uh, touch on this earlier and I forgot to, mm-hmm. where you were saying you were saying about shows that you mentioned in the in what you've been watching yourselves. I think the good thing is with that is that. Because most shows now or most television uh, stations are streamable, you can come at those shows at any point now, whereas back in the day, you were stuck to watching a program at the specific time that that it was on. Mm, And now because of the streaming, it works better for you because the show can be listened to at any point and that person can go, oh, I can go on to such and such a site and I can find that to watch it now. 
Exactly. Yeah. And I think also we can then we pick up what what is popular and we kind of go, why is it? Um, as opposed to, you know, a lot of interviews which might be talking about, oh, this is, you know, this is coming out soon and, you know, about the show itself. We kind of can look back almost and say, oh, suddenly this has been the new hit and this has become um you know another one to watch and we sort of discuss it from a slightly different angle then we would maybe approach it if it was you know for an interview for the show where you'd really be talking about about it and about the um the storylines and character development so yeah and 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 it doesn't age it that way so yeah I think that's very true we also have Tanavi's Random Adventures in Netflix, of course, which is kind of a regular feature. <laughs> That's becoming a theme now. I know. I don't know. I'm the ra- I am the random one. Let's just put it that way. Um, but you need yeah. a jingle yeah. for that. Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe this is making me sound poor. Like I, I sound like I only have Netflix. Um, although my TV, my TV was wiped out for like two week, three weeks because of scaffolding. So it was just Netflix crazy for a while. But <laughs> yeah, it does sound like that. That explains. I will. I will invest. I will invest in Amazon soon and Apple probably. I have well, Disney you, Plus. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'll need Amazon back to be able to watch the second season of Picard. That's true. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a funny thing. So I watched it when I was in Canada. Oh, so and it was a, on. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. So although I did have Amazon in Canada. Yeah, it's true. But there's always that's the other thing. I think that's something we discussed on the podcast too, isn't it? That there are. Um, always more streaming services and always more shows and so in a way um by being the random one I kind of covered that stuff that maybe pe- other people don't necessarily um you know do a deep dive to watch and so um yeah so I think there's I think there's always that and we we, we acknowledge as well that it's hard to have all the streaming services and keep up with all the the new shows and things like that and um so and at the same time we do you know also see what's going on on the BBC and and make it more UK based don't we so yeah we try and cover quite a few bases so I think we we also try to tell people where things are on don't we as well in 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 your thing and also the descriptions too so people can yeah for the UK viewers yeah yeah what you need is for all of these streaming services to give you um, give you free servicing for advertising what they've got on. <laughs> well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? I think. Well, you, you know, guys get screeners, don't you, for stuff? Some, I mean, yeah. I haven't got screeners for ages for anything, but you guys do, don't you? Occasionally, I have a Netflix press account where I've been sent a couple of things in advance. Yeah, but um, but but I mean, quite often now with um, Disney. Plus, don't show like the Mandalorian yes. yeah. or yeah, exactly. you know the Marvel shows in advance. So they you, don't, you yeah. know, you're kind of reviewing them, sort of you know when they're out. I just realised you used yeah. the word screeners, but I don't know if people will know what that means. But it just it just means that when you get given um, when you get sent an episode of it of a TV show early, so you can watch it and write the review before it's actually screened. Yeah, they do that for films as well. By the way, they do. So did you have a set structure for the show, the way that it would go from start to finish? And has that changed uh, over time? Um, I guess it, we we did a few pilots that we'll never yeah. see the light of day. We did like four, I think. Yeah. <laughs> just sort of, uh, and 
I mean, so we went out and we had, you know, what we had. So we started off and I think we had a bit of what we've been watching. Then we'd have a big topic that we talk about, like a big news story. Then we'd go into the retro bits and then we'd have like lots of little news stories at the end. And quite uh, relatively quickly, we kind of, if sort of, I guess, eased out the, we sort of eased out the, the sort of big news story. And actually the big topic, that was partly because we were finding that there weren't as many of those as there perhaps were shows to talk about. Um, and we kept going with that format for, for a while. And then fairly recently, we've kind of eased out the news. I mean, we have talked about doing a sort of separate news show where we could just sort of rapid fire, let's talk about news stories that hasn't sort of, we haven't got to that yet. But I mean, the, the general format's been pretty constant. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of evolution yeah. rather than revolution, as Alan Partridge might say. <laughs> yeah. I think we do also, as part of the retro, because that's the, the rewind section where we talk about um, a retro movie or, or, or um, TV show, we do interview the guests as well so you oh, yeah. do get a bit of that as well um and it, we it's it it's you know what they're up to now and also what they've been watching um so if, often if if for example they are um promoting a new book or or something like that then they get to mention that at that time so it's a little bit of a plug for them too but that's something we've done fairly consistently isn't it Mm. Yeah, that's that's the that's the format we've we've stuck to. Yeah, yeah. I, I like and how. We, yeah, sorry. Go on, carry on, Tony. Sorry, and I was going to say, and then the other thing is the specials. Um, you guys may want to. Oh yeah, we mention the format for those. We we actually managed to do a few spoilers special. There's there's been occasions where we've watched something that it demands a standalone episode. You know, so I think was the first one we did Tenet. Was that right? It yeah. was, yes. Yeah. Just, uh, we yeah. were so excited to see a film. <laughs> <That feels awesome. laughs> and also, it's a film that you know it sort of just demands. A bit of conversation as well, even if that conversation is what's going on. Um, yeah. so uh we uh we we did that. So we've had yeah, we've managed to do a few specials. And I think it might have been Richard who had the idea, forgive me, I can't remember, but we did the Christmas specials, we did three of those, the Christmas gift yes. thing. Yeah, oh, yes. yes, yes, yeah. Um, which was which was fun. Which was fun. Uh, that was and that was an interesting idea because the uh, you know, we 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 got to sort of give each other the gift of a of a of a show or a film that they <laughs> other the other that the others weren't familiar with. So the idea was that someone had to bring a favourite that the others hadn't watched and um, that would be the little Christmas gift. So we called the standalone episodes for that. That was kind of fun. It was kind of mm, fun. It, it, it had the flavour of the retro segments from our show, but but just all on its own and just with the with the um the little added twist that the uh, it would be new to the uh, to the rest of the, the gang. Yeah. So that was fun. I, I think we put really some sleigh yeah. bells over the um, music. As well. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> so, so, you know, that, that made it Christmassy. That's all you need. Yeah. It's the audio version of, uh, of putting snow on the magazine logo, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I did the same thing. <laughs> I, I did exactly the same thing. I love all that. It's good. Uh, why not? <laughs> Absolutely. And then you had the lost episode that came out as well. Oh, well, yeah. That so that, that wasn't yeah. intentional. Yeah. No. Uh, no. yeah, we don't get on with black holes. There's don't know what's yeah, wrong with us. Why do we keep something. doing episodes about black holes? I yeah. Know. Um yes, Interstellar we had issues as well, but uh, yeah, the the black hole episode just got lost the uh, the recording which and which was a shame because it was um a really interesting episode John Singh our guest um who's worked for yes. Lucasfilm and a massive Disney expert. He, I I mean I actually think it stands up as a, a really good sort of I guess 
almost documentary on on the the black hole but yes it really is yeah it got lost somewhere but john very gamely came back and re-recorded with us which was great it just sort of put them out of sync slightly but you know because it involved a black hole we could blame horizons and all that (laughs) yeah Yeah. i think that was that it showed us as well the importance of that rewind section and the and the um the effect of having um you know a podcast that can age is that if you do have those technical issues it becomes so much more i suppose um important and stressful if if you are time dependent yeah that's true exactly Incidentally, it's the first thing that we watched when Disney started in the UK. Right. Oh, right. Really? That, that film, and yes. I'm assuming um, that you've seen it before, back that? in the day. Yes, I saw it back in the day as a, as a yeah. kid. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just just put that on and you've got that just darkness at the beginning, nothing on the screen, <laughs> just the overture. Yeah. Just, I, I mean, seriously, I thought my TV had broken. Yeah. I thought we thought the same thing. We were there and thinking... <laughs> What's happened with Disney Plus? Is it not working? Because it would be the first thing we were watching. We were wondering if yeah. there's a problem with Disney Plus. Wow. Yeah. And I'd which, forgotten which all would about be, that. Which makes sense because it's Disney Plus. So it tends to be glitchy. As <laughs> and, and then you get to the end of the film, you're thinking, is there a problem with Disney Plus? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again. It's, it's sort of, oh, do you know what? It's it's such an interesting film. Man. I'm really glad we did a podcast on it. And John Singh was a great guest because he hates so so But, you know, I, it, he subsequently, as a follow up to that, sent us all sort of links to documentaries on YouTube and things to watch. And so I've sort of been kind of carrying on reading up about the, the movie afterwards, thanks to John, actually. It's, it's a, and it's, it remains fascinating. I think I might have to have a re-rewatch of The Black Hole. Oh, <laughs> I've yeah. got, yeah. uh, good. When you do, Dave, tell us so you can protect us from Maximilian. <laughs> yes, yes. But, but it's, I think that's one of the thing, funny, uh, interesting things about um, that podcast and just podcasts in general about this genre is when you don't have any idea about a show or you've just watched a show or a film and you thought, yeah, that's okay. And then you hear about, you know, the opinions and and the sort of things that went into making it, the behind the scenes, the um, sort of general um, sort of thoughts and process behind it and other things that might have come from other actors and directors, you know, um, before they made those, those shows and movies. I think it really influences how you watch a film yeah and so when you do go back and and then watch it as i i hope our listeners sometimes do um you know i do think sometimes that you'll appreciate films that you might not have enjoyed initially and Mm. um and it takes on a different feeling for you and a different level of entertainment and then when you rewatch it and it's one of the reasons i really like used to really like reading sfx and listening to you know podcasts like that now yeah no I, I absolutely agree with you and I think there's something there's something really pleasing about listening to someone who's enthusiastic about something even if it's a you know a movie that you yourself either haven't seen or haven't enjoyed but hearing how someone else's enthusiasm for it is, is really kind yeah. of infectious that's one of the reasons why I really like those Christmas episodes we did where we introduced each other because actually I had never seen the TV show Haven if you remember and I know <laughs> yeah. that's, that's yeah. I know that's one of your favorites actually it was in some respects that was kind of your gateway drug to fandom wasn't it maybe one of a those bit ones. yeah I yeah that's I think that's fair to say I mean to, to well maybe not into the fandom but definitely into the entertainment 
reporting world I mean that right, opened right. a whole thing for me yeah but you know and and you know listening to you talk about it and you putting that in front of us and I went I, I sort of became a little bit of a fan myself and I ended up binging <laughs> it all way more than I needed to in order to do the podcast I just became a, you know now I've seen it all um, I'm, very, <laughs> I'm, I'm still very happy about that but I do I do think that that's true because I think that's what you know happened in a way to me is that if you hear people I have a Carl Pilkington quote about this and I don't know how relevant it is but it always makes me think about it is um the Carl Pilkington from the morning of life at one point he says you know it's great if you have a passion and you're passionate even if you're passionate about poo because he met this guy who just loved going around New York and like decorating poos to like dog turds that he would see on the street to try and make them look prettier it's weird but it's it's true it's just the passion and I think that's with all of us and all, all the guests that we have on as well is they have such passion yeah. about what they review and about what they do that it is just great to hear that and I think especially in current times it's just really nice to hear people feeling happy about something you know and that's what I think comes across and I really hope that's one of the things that our listeners enjoy well I think that we all, always try I think and go in wanting to like stuff yeah. um you yes. know certainly with we the new have... stuff you know it's it's yeah. kind of you know we're, we're reviewing stuff it's kind of the glass half full approach and I, I think no one really wants to hear everyone going constantly all the time oh god that's awful right it's rubbish um you know obviously you say when something does disappoint you but you kind of want yeah. you want to like stuff um yeah. and and actually you know even some some of the films that we've covered that haven't necessarily been brilliant you know we we will sort of talk about the bits that are endearing or right. or look at the reasons why they went spectacularly off yeah <laughs> This is Dave of Live Life Loud, the Decibolic Podcast, and you're listening to Pods Like Us with Marv. What What was the transition like then from, from working on magazines to working on a podcast? Was it difficult at first to get used to the, the medium change or or not? Um, I think there's a lot... Of, uh, I think there's a surprising amount that crosses over. I think just in terms of structure and certainly in terms of editing, thinking about oh, what's most important, um, getting kind of a flow of information, making sure that you're not sort of in introducing a point at random. Um, I think a lot of that comes through. Um, I, I think, you know, by nature as a journalist, you have to do a fair bit of talking, not necessarily in front of a lot of people, but you do have to go in and do interviews. They have to be structured, but at the same time, you have to be a little bit um, sort of flexible because, you know, the person you're interviewing won't necessarily follow the order of questions that you've done. You might want to do a follow-up that kind of leaps all over your list. And I think just doing a podcast is very similar to that. Um, yeah. you, you know, you're, you're interviewing your guests, you're, you're sort of, um, asking your sort of co-hosts things uh, and I guess with the idea as with any good interviews that you're sort of making uh, sort of planned spontaneity uh, you, yeah. you want yeah. it to sound like it's all like coming original and, and that you know it's just a conversation that has just happened but that won't happen unless you've sort of put some thought into the structure of it. Mm. I think that's very true especially when you're doing live interviews. Yeah. Can I just add on um in what you're talking about earlier that in terms of being passionate I think it's I think it's probably important to say that 
we try and make things very inclusive and and cover all aspects of of um, sci-fi and fantasy and I think that one of the things I remember you know growing up watching sort of film critics on TV is they often sounded very highbrow and and, and very critical and um, you sounded sometimes you felt sometimes that like you needed a degree in film to like really sort of appreciate what they were saying and I think this is just you know for everybody at whatever level you are in terms of um, um, nerddom it doesn't matter the fact is, yeah, though, I all, mean, all you, yeah, the yeah. fact is, though, I mean, on on your show, and you know, which, I mean, I'm going to go back to it again from 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 the SFX magazine as well, and it's carried through to the show. There is that, um, just, you know, sort of, we're just geeks like the rest of you. There's almost that sort of feel to it with the humour and and the way that you talk about things as well. And I mean that 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 comes across to me definitely, and it has done through the magazine and then through this show. That's really Thank you. I, I'm, I'm pleased. Yeah, it is good to hear. Yeah, I, I always, I think I might have been acceptable to put it like that. He said that, you know, if you read a magazine like SFX, it should feel like being kind of welcomed into a clubhouse, you know, that's kind of where you go yeah. after after work or at the weekend or whatever to kind of be amongst, you know, feel welcome. And it, it's got some in-jokes in there as well, but you certainly are sort of all welcome. It's kind of a home from home on the pages of the magazine. And I kind of, I, you know, I think SFX is like that. And I, I yeah. podcast is a bit as well, you know. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's a. I think you're right. I think it's a huge part of, of certainly a lot of great magazines, and and you know we'd. Um, I think a lot of times you'd see that in SFX is in the captions, um, where, where you'd have some like <laughs> weird jokes, and and you know, you'd be thinking if one or two people get that, that's cool, and the people who don't get it straight away will probably go and look it up and what it means. Um, so you, you're kind, you are kind of creating that kind of without being exclusive about it just making people feel like they belong to your group and yeah. you you can talk you know you talk about this stuff because you love it yeah and i think also sfx you know invited in, uh readers to um to write in and to come in and i think that's something we do as well on the podcast we we like it when people um feel that they can chat with us as well and mm. and tell us what they think not just what they think but you know what they would say about the films and things as well and not just about the podcast but it's just it makes it feel more worthwhile because that that feeling should come across yeah, you know now that we've broached this subject i'm gonna to have to ask because i've wondered for all these years so that those in those jokes then that you have uh, with the pictures and all over are, are they how do they come about? Are they written by the person who writes the article or or do all, all of the people on SFX actually come together and when, when the magazine's put together, do they make them up or how do they come about? Well, that's a good question because it's a little, little bit of everything, really. I should say a lot of the... Um... Like the captions of of the images will um, often be put first of all in there by the production editor, um, who's kind of a, a, a the, like a sub editor. Um, I think from most of my time that was either Simon Withers and then it was uh, Russell Lewin. Um, but actually, you see, we tend to sort of um, mark each other's work. You might say there's a lot of um, proofing in the office goes on, and, and so captions and jokes will be refined during that period. And sometimes the production editor will. Will invite other people to write captions and things. The the headlines and the kind of stand first and the straps and articles are often written by the 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 writers themselves, or maybe amended or just tweaked a little bit by the section editor. Um, 
so is that am I, is that fair, Rich? Is that kind of your recollection too of, of how things are? Yeah, I, I think certainly with the captions, it's often the production editor. And say, you know, as editor, when they came through to me, I might sort of tweak them mm. slightly, or you know, someone else, or you know, section editor might think, oh, I've got a gag for that. Um, I think with headlines and straps, we were never ashamed to push puns into all sorts mm-hmm. of territory. I mean, in fact, I think we were always. That's the thing we were kind of, I guess competitive is not the right word, but, you know, we were always proudest <laughs> of. And actually, you, you know, you would have conversations in the office and, and things would spark off each other. And, mm. you know, sometimes when you'd come off up with a silly pun that really worked as a headline or, or as a strap, that's the thing that kind of made you proudest. I know I was used to say you to, love your to, to team, they, they, they could write a feature, you know, and it's be that's a brilliant headline. We'll always be focusing on that bit, you know. <laughs> it's a brilliant, the brilliant joke. The uh, it's the it's the editorial equivalent of scoring a goal in football, right? You 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 yeah, you'd, right. you'd make you'd make the perfect the perfect joke because it's actually you've got very little amount of space, so you make the perfect pun, and then you'd have to run around the office like you scored a goal. Um, the um, uh, I what were we saying the other day, Rich? That it possibly. It's absolute pinnacle might have been Nick Setchfield's uh, "The Spy Who Bruv Me," which um, yes, uh, which is which is his headline for for uh, uh, Kingsman, Kingsman, wasn't for it? Kingsman, uh, but which is which is just a, a ridiculous multi-layered pun. But uh, but yeah, say we, that we, again. So, I am the uh, spy so who what the spy, the spy. who. Who bruv me because that is so the spy who loved me. Ah, oh, but said, bruv, but he bruv, bruv me. Yeah. He bruv, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous, ridiculous. But um, uh, <laughs> but there would be a lot of that in the office. And so yeah, but, and uh, the uh, the one of the place where there'd be most collaboration, I think, and it, it did a sort of change with the years, maybe, but was on the cover. Um, yeah. when the cover lines that would typically be maybe you'd all stand around a, a computer. You stand around a monitor and and and, and suggest um, cover lines. Um, the uh, it seemed to me that over the years, and this isn't this isn't you know unique to SFX. It's just maybe just the influence of the internet on magazines. Is that cover lines got more literal with time? Yeah, definitely. Um, and it used to be that maybe in the nineties you'd have a you just have a joke on the cover. You know, a picture of Darth Vader or whatever, and then there'd be a joke on the cover line. And the cover line would be you know attention grabbing. But as time went by, and certainly now. Probably, if you go to a, uh, a newsstand and it has a picture of Darth Vader on the front, the headline will just say Star Wars or something. It's, it becomes what it becomes more literal, and that's not just just SFX. I think that's just how things have gone. Mm-hmm. I suspect it's because the internet has trained us to, to be a little bit more literal, maybe. But the days of lock up your gerbils longer. <laughs> The one for, we did one for V. It was V, the TV show with the where they where they eat where the alien invaders eat, eat rodents, and then we had lock up your gerbils. Well, wasn't that quite late at night, Dave? I think it, might it was be. was quite late at night, but and, uh, I think as well um, we did uh, for some kind of thing about what toy you, your toys might be worth. We did cash in the attack, which later yeah. became a feature. Yeah, exactly. Really? exactly. That was funny, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that stuff was always uh, you sort of yeah sitting around monitor, sort of joking around around with stuff. Um, yeah, it's good. So, so as the most recent person to work on SFX magazine, Tanabi, what's your best pun that you've got in the magazine? I don't think I, I really don't do that. I haven't, I can't honestly think of anything. <laughs> I don't that, do headlines, so no. It's possible <laughs> that you've written something and then, um, yeah. because the other thing I should say is that a lot of the things that, um, that, probably might you know people might have seen uh, the strap or the headline about something i've written 
might very well have been done by Ian Berryman or Nick Setchfield or, or, or yeah. Rich or someone like you know, often the editor or the section editor will, will publish That's something right, up. Yeah. So I imagine probably, Tanami, you've, you've written stuff yeah. and, and, and then it'll just... It'll I would also be, honestly, I think I'd be scared to try because you guys are so good at it. <laughs> just don't really want to try in that field. Um, but no, so I can't, sorry, that's a really boring answer. But yeah, I can't think of any. But, but then again, saying that, I mean, listening to Robbie the Robot, Dave and Dave and Rich carry on with that punning through yep. the sh- through the show Absolutely. as well, and they come up with some absolute blinders. <laughs> yeah, well, the whole um, title of the podcast as well, Robbie the Robot's Waiting, is yes. itself just a big old joke. Um, which uh, yeah. which I still it still amuses me. I know that it, it, we we often get asked what the, what it what what it is. This is it's one of yours though, isn't it, Rich? It was uh, I think you brought the uh, brought the title. I, I think it was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It, I wasn't sure if it was too shameless, but more, it was one of those on, on repetition. I came to like it more. Yeah. All right. Can I explain it, it in case for the listeners? Explain the explain. Oh yeah, so, so so it's a very shameless pun on obviously Robbie wrote the robot from uh, Forbidden Planet and yes. Robert De Niro's waiting the, the famous banana rama song um so if you say it quickly enough they sound kind of similar um but, but we, i think because when we were trying to think of a name of, for the podcast we, we were running around loads of like sci-fi news sci-fi weekly sci-fi monthly and with something with sci-fi in the title and a lot of them have been done or a lot of them didn't sound that exciting and, and it's kind of i think partly because there's a really good football uh podcast 90s football called quickly kevin will he score um, which is a really esoteric title. It's based on a bit of commentary from the 1998 World Cup, but it actually kind of works. And then sort of we started pushing it a little bit more out there. And, and then I think I kind of mentioned it and as an idea and, and people kind of laughed. It, it, and it wasn't a sort of laugh of pity. Um, <laughs> I thought it was hilarious the first time I heard it because because maybe I'm just of, of an age. I just as soon as you said it, I could just hear Robert De Niro's waiting playing in my in my head. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it works because, like I said, I mean, you know, it's it's as soon as as soon as I heard heard the show for the first time, that 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 title works perfectly because it is almost like I said, like I've said before. I mean, I keep going on about it, but you both, you all know that I'm that I'm a fan of the of the magazine, so that's where it comes from. So I see it as a natural extension of that, and you know that it you almost know instinctively that it. That you guys have worked for SFX because it's the perfect SFX <laughs> pun. <laughs> the title, yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's ironic, isn't it? Because I mean, Rich, Rich, you can probably explain this better. But there was there was a specific reason that you didn't want it to be so the podcast to be associated with SFX, isn't there? Because we some of those titles that sounded a bit like SFX, we decided not to go for for that reason. Yeah, I, I, did, I mean, I thought it was important mm-hmm. that we weren't. So I thought it was important that we didn't sound like we were trying to be SFX because, you know, no. we have worked for it, but we are a separate entity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want to feel like we were kind of trading off the fact that we'd worked on it. I mean, obviously, you know, it gets mentioned in our bios because it is a statement of fact, but it's like this is kind of our thing now. And, and um, I, I think you could put sort of SF and uh, some of the word in there, and it would sort of kind of sound like SFX, and the, really, I kind of didn't want to do that. No. Yeah, it makes it also it sort of leaves mm-hmm. because we've still got a great relationship with them. You know, we want to leave the door open to them. For all, for all we know, the current team might want to do exactly you know, SF, yeah. SF SFX nights or something. I don't know whatever they want to call it, and create their own podcast. And we didn't want to sort of 
feel like we were kind of maybe boxing them into anything either, you know. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. Hello, everybody. This is Ryan. This is Avery. And we are from the Frame by Frame King Crimson podcast. And you are listening to Pods Like Us. Um, um, while, while we're there, while we're, mm. while we're on there, I'll just uh, I'll just apologise if I keep mentioning the magazine, you know. But right. no, 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 it's absolutely right. fine. Oh. I mean, it, it's, it's how we all met, so you know, yeah, uh, so we, we love it. Know, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's it's a good thing to be associated with. Yeah, it really is. So, how do you record the show and then edit it? And I'm guessing that it's Rich that does the editing of the show. Yeah. yeah, so I, I do the editing. We record it on a piece of software called Zencaster. Um, yep. So that, that sort of records a sort of separate tracks. Um, it's quite nice for some of the post-production stuff. Um, and it means we can get guests in very easily. We can all hear each other. Mm. Uh, but we also have each other. We can see each other in Zoom at the same time. It's quite nice to actually be able to respond to each other. Um, makes it feel more like, a, I guess, a chat. Uh, and then... I use GarageBand to edit it. Um, so, yeah, I pull all the tracks together and uh, just work my way through it and, uh, yeah, just work out. I, I, I do my – I think my trick that I worked out a few months into it was I, I run the whole thing through some transcription software. Um, okay. So I can actually – I can treat it like a feature effectively like when I'm doing a transcription for an interview and actually spot the bits that are good or, or, or sort of less bad and um, sort of work that way rather than just going through the whole thing. Um, because I, I guess that's the way I think having worked in, in print and uh, online for so long. You use um, a bit of software called Otter, don't you? Is that, uh, is Otter, that, yeah. Because that's because I think that doesn't that give you like a transcription with a timestamp, so you can kind the of timestamps oh, are important. Yeah, yeah. This is where we started talking about Star Trek or whatever. Yeah, you can just find it in there, and then that sort of neatly yeah. gives you a little bit of a, a crib for it. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Dave. I was just about to ask what the name of it was. Otter, yeah, yeah it's very very good. I mean, I, I use it um, for um, for the day job as well, and and actually, you know, it's not. It's not always quite perfect, but it's close enough that you can see what's being said and you can tidy up what you need to. So yeah, it, it's it's. I cannot believe that this thing exists. Actually, you know, if you think uh, the, the amount of time you spend transcribing stuff and to actually have something that can sort of turn those words into something that you can read is yeah. just, it's like magic. It is magic. Oh well, the yeah, software that's available now is incredible. So since when I you know started out being a journalist in the mid nineties and the, the stuff that's available now, I mean, it is frightening. You know, there's um. There's off-the-shelf artificial intelligence which will write for you, so that you know if you're if you're a journalist, be afraid of uh, of Jarvis.ai. You can go and look that up if you like that. That will actually write the write all the copy for you as well. Just yeah, it might become Ultron. Uh, yeah, it might be. Yeah. It might be exactly. Maybe that's why they call it that. I mean, mate, I'm, I'm sure there's. I'm sure, but um, but uh, but yeah. But you know, there's all, all the things that exist now that didn't you know, way back. It's it is it's sort of both is glorious with things like Otter and some of the other tools we just recorded. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would have been like trying to record a podcast during you know a pandemic if it happened 20 years ago? Just, yeah. You know, well, just how we would have got through the pandemic without yeah. the tech that we have now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, exactly. Would have been just a huge, completely different kettle. Fish all the shows to watch the wheel and so on yeah it's just yeah. worthwhile but even then working know. all the working from home that yeah. we did yeah. even getting food you know all those right. things yeah yeah exactly exactly 
yeah, would have had would have had the had, had um Otter back in the day. Um mm. which seems to be quite useful. So yeah. I think Golda, gosh, we've mentioned Dave Golda so much. He's, he's, he's always he's always with us in spirit. Just, yeah. yeah, I'm seeing him tomorrow as well. So, um but I think he uses Owl, which is another transcription service. I'm no idea why they're all named after sort of woodland creatures, but uh, <laughs> it seems to be the thing. They're well known for their accurate they're well known for their accurate transcription of uh, <laughs> of woodland gossip. That must be it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do a really good edit of this and make it sound absolutely slick. Yeah. <laughs> the, the magic of editing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's true. So um, the show music and effects of the uh, the sound effects or any that you put into it, where do you where do you get those from? The theme is a piece of library music. I can't, I can't remember what where we bought it from, but yeah, it, it's basically a piece of library music that we listened to and liked. Um, it, it's uh, it's got a kind of eighties vibe, I think, which I really like. And I mean, the sound effects are quite rare, um, so I, I usually sort of um, find those. Uh, I can't actually. Yeah, the sound effects are so rare that I'm not sure. I, I can't actually remember where I grabbed them from. But um, yeah. How did you uh, get the bleep? Sorry, that's a bit. Of it. Yeah. I remember you had to bleep. How did bleep? you do that? Yes, yes. The 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 infamous bleeps. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I did a bit of research online on how to do it, and I, basically it was just making a sound. I, I can't remember. It was some kind of beeps. Um, I can't remember what the sound was specifically, but it, it's just some kind of synth noise that you can do on a Mac. Um, so I, I just use that. You, you kind of just stretch out a bit of sound and it just becomes this kind of weird noise. And, I, and it sounded a bit silly, but I kind of rolled with yeah. it because I quite liked it. <laughs> because I think, I don't even know if it was, I guess it happened inadvertently, but we just tend to keep things very PG, don't we? And yeah. um, so, and it it's, just seems but- to... Big, be quite a stark contrast when when a guest comes on and they're not but most yeah that just seems to be the way we've done it well I, it's, I kind of I know my mum and dad listen to it and I don't want them to know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah. know what yeah, I talk like to. normally <laughs> <laughs> um, the I should say the music which I do really like and you're right Richie yeah. it's, it's kind of you know it's 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 uh, we've been using it for so long now that I say yeah I like you I've sort of forgotten where you, where you found it but I, anyway, but it does remind me of uh, Blinding Lights by totally. The Weekend. And yes. It's got a very similar beat to it, a very similar kind of rising melody. And in fact, whenever whenever Blinding Lights by The Weekend comes on, I always sort of think, oh, it's our podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it really, no, it really isn't. But it's the same, it's just for, you know, Freddie copyright lawyers out there listening, it is not the same piece of music. It just coincidentally hits some of the same, uh, the same kind of rhythms, doesn't it? But uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you actually listen to the episodes yourselves when they go out? I do. Yeah, I listen to it back. Yeah. I guess what's one one more listen for the count? <laughs> yeah. I listen. I'll admit, I listen to it mostly. Um, sometimes I get a bit. Yeah, I feel a bit odd about it sometimes. So not sometimes not every. Like, it can be weird here when you sit back, can't it? Yeah. So not absolutely. So not always every moment, but yes, I would listen back to it. Yeah. Not after I've edited it. I, I no. kind of, right. I feel like I've heard it enough at that point. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. The the, th- the thing is, and I, I'm, I'm the same as Rich that. You've edited it that many times that you're almost sick of hearing your own voice that by the time you finish doing the edit. I think that's always the worst bit. It's like when you do an interview with anyone and you're doing the transcription of that. It's like, oh, God, I have to listen to this guy again. 
you know, um, <laughs> if you could skip over those bits, it's like, do I really sound like that? Yeah, all that, yeah. That is one of the advantages of preparing an interview for print, isn't it? Which you, you don't have to actually, in print, there's there's none of your your own voice in there. You can kind of edit yourself out or, you know, make, make your questions sound a bit more intelligent yeah. or whatever. No, no, there's no kind of the stammering nervousness of talking to William Shatner for the first time. You don't have to include the bit where they, they kind of look at you with disdain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so when you did those interviews then back in the day, did you did you write them then, Dave, Rich, and and, and Tanner? Did you write them in, in down or, or I would have thought you would have used like a dictaphone to. Oh record. no, you, you, oh, we do absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah, you do. But what I, what I meant was you 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 the, the process would be you'd use a dictaphone almost exclusively. I think I could actually sit right here on the desk next to me. It's an Olympus. I think we've you seem to have called the market now. So yeah, you have I like your, um, Sony. Um, but now yeah. I use my iPhone because it's so yeah, easy the and then you can email it, yeah. it and yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, you, you just use that. You have that on desk. And it's funny, you, you're often you'll find that some of these interviews, uh, particularly at something like um, San Diego Comic-Con, obviously the, the, the goal is that you have a one-on-one interview and that's that. But yeah. often at something like San Diego or whatever, you, there might be a bunch of you interviewing someone. So there's this yeah. big old clatter as everyone Press throws down their, 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 puts down their, puts down their uh, digital recorder right in front of the um, of, of the star. But um, press conferences are hilarious for that. It's just this big old oh. desk of uh, like a car boot sale of technology just lined up in front, <laughs> in front of the uh, the stuff. But um, yeah, you, we, you, let's, let's assume that you're doing a one-on-one. You, you get it on your dictaphone. But then the, when you're back in the office, you get to listen to it back and, and transcribe it. And um, you type, you'll type it up, basically. You'll sit there and you'll type it up. And, and, and that's, that's the chance where you kind of cringe hearing yourself back. But um, but you know, of course, the, the, it doesn't doesn't make it into print, and you know, your 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 edit, your kind of part of that editing process is, you know, choosing which bits to put into print. The thing is, it's the different process between like doing something like a podcast or um, and, a, and a magazine is, but actually, you don't really get that many words in a magazine, not even in a really big feature. You know, if, if someone talks for thirty minutes, you end up with thousands more words than you actually mm. need for a, for a for a four page mm. feature in the magazine or something. So mm. there's always a bit of what you have to leave out. Um, and that's that's just part of the editing process. And I think that's one of the fun things about then doing things like a podcast is, you know, especially for like, I think you guys, um, Rich and Dave, there's just a plethora of stuff that you probably haven't written the magazines, but you can mention outside of that that never made it into the print, right? The final print. And then I think um one of the one of the things I learned interviewing is always have at least one backup. I I'm like when it comes to tech, I'm just I I like to think that I'm technologically challenged. If something will go wrong, it will go wrong for me, and um, mm-hmm. so I tend to have at least two recording devices generally, right. and typically three <laughs> because <laughs> that's how many I need usually to try and get one interview. I don't um, think there is a journalist in existence who hasn't got a story of the time their thing broke or didn't yep. work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, remember, I remember we had many. You remember mid. Remember when mini discs were a thing? Oh yeah. Oh and, yeah. Uh, I've, I've still got about a hundred of them in the. Yeah, audience. I think they're great. Yeah, really? Great, great. They were fantastic. Yeah. And and I used to do interviews on mini discs. It's fine if the mini disc isn't duff. And right. I, I just lost a whole interview with Avi Arad about the Fantastic Four. Oh no! The first one, oh, two thousand and five. No. Lost interview. Oh well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that the time it does happen make you very careful every other time you know just making yeah. sure that the little lines are dancing on your dictaphone that says that this is yeah. recording yeah 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 because yeah. yeah. you do that's the thing you know it is it is a one-shot thing when you're 
at a convention or so when um, <laughs> yeah that's it. it's, you, it's like I mean I suppose you can maybe ask them later going uh, by the way but it's just yeah you just you just don't generally you just if you don't get it you don't get it sort of yeah. thing yeah, yeah. and um yeah and I think that's the great thing about you know technology now and and the way we do things now is if you pre-record and you can edit and you can change things about then it's takes away a lot of that stress doesn't it yeah 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 mm. so are there any standout shows that you've recorded um well we mentioned the um the black hole one i did enjoy doing that we yeah. sort of did it twice which is just it was good that it was, it was enjoyable um and we mentioned the sfx one that was that was fun that stands out i think um uh, here, i actually uh, really cool. yeah, sorry no okay i'm sorry sorry dave no no i was just going to say you know i was going to just ask you folks if there's any because you know I, I enjoy every everyone in it in its own way yeah. we have we've had so many different sort of different people i enjoyed um because um i have been a fan of Hawk the Slayer for so long it was a real pleasure <laughs> to get it into the Christmas yeah. special and bring on Jason Kingsley who obviously you know is, I, I don't know whether that you know that, that, that name means something to everyone but he of course he's the um the CEO of Rebellion so he's the basically the publisher of 2000 AD and and, and a number of other other things published there from their offices yeah. in Oxford video games as well but in his spare time he's a knight he dresses as a knight and does jousting Amazing. and stuff and has a YouTube channel where he kind of lives history and he's a big uh, fantasy fan as well so i thought it was just really good fun getting him on to talk about hawk the slayer uh i thought i enjoyed that that was really good um did he, I turn, really up, enjoyed... did he turn up dressed as mark mike like mark singer then <laughs> I, I i you know what he uh that's that's a beastmaster reference i think mark singer actually oh yes uh, that, yeah. yeah but that's no, good beastmaster. but good good knowledge good memory i beastmaster we should do one of those actually guys there we go um oh, yeah. uh but uh no he he uh well obviously i think he, he was during the pandemic again so he recorded it from studio so i just in my mind he was dressed there in a full plate armor um exactly. but, uh, but, it's Montana, you were going to say. Oh yeah, what was I going to say? Oh, so I really enjoyed um, Joe Abercrombie on. I think I think that might be the one where I laughed maybe the most. Um, I remember thinking guy. at the end of it. Yeah, I remember thinking at the end of it. Oh, my stomach hurts now. Um, I think also we had Kelly Bureau on, mm. and um, that allowed me and her tangent about K dramas for about forty five minutes, which I think was a surprise for the guys. Um, but I loved it because again, it's just being allowed to sort of unleash your nerdiness and talk about mm. stuff, finding people in that you know who who appreciate what you appreciate is just is just fun isn't it yeah definitely absolutely so what other podcast do do any of you listen to that's a good question um uh rich you've mentioned a couple of sports ones that you listen to already yeah, I do a fair bit of sporty ones. So I like the Guardian Football Weekly. I like quickly Kevin Willie's score, which is about 90s football, uh, which is kind of my era. I think I remember that better than I do football that happened last week. Um, yeah, I think that they're the big ones. I listen to a bit of rugby as well. So yeah, it's it's mostly sport. It's where I catch up on sport. Um, I also like uh, both the Empire and Total Film uh, podcasts yep, yep. and they're both very good um you know just they're both good chat and i, I think you know they're in a similar sort of area as us um just more sort of film specialists so yeah th- i think they're the ones that i go for most and there's a, there's a few podcasts that, that i listen to some of the in in the kind of space that we're in the um the sort of science fiction thing uh, there's a podcast that i love called bill watches movies which is uh which is basically a, a kind of a b movie 
monster movie, flying saucer movie, kind of 50s and 60s and 70s, um, Universal Monsters type um, uh, uh, type uh, type podcast uh, by a guy called Bill Mize, who's got a very uh, kind of quite a soothing voice. And he does it, but he does a kind of um, mystery science theater three thousand kind of approach to some some classic old movies. And I, and I quite I quite enjoy listening to that. It introduced me to some 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 crazy old films that I probably wouldn't otherwise wouldn't otherwise see. There's also some friends of ours do a podcast called Podworld. Yeah, which is like Louise Blaine and David Meyer Roberts, um, and um, those guys are, um, are, are familiar from, to us from, well, um, from from working at Future Publishing, but also uh, Louise is a, a big horror fan, and she's also appeared on our podcast a bit as well. And they they do a podcast, um, well, a little bit like what you do here, which is with you know they, they listen to other podcasts, talk about them a little bit uh, with, with themes, and so I, I check in on that. Um, you know, they, they've made some good recommendations, so there's a couple there that I do, and and, and so on. And then Tanavi, do you do you listen to much podcast um, action? Not a huge amount, but then so the Cosmic Shed. Uh, oh yeah, 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 that yeah. I I enjoy. And oh, does everyone, does everyone listen to that then? Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. so Andrew Glester yeah. was actually he he was a friend of mine. We sort of bumped into each other at um, a convention, and then um, yeah. So I think he does a great job. And basically, um, he does a podcast where they talk about the science in science fiction mainly, and he has you know, actors and and directors talking about sort of the you know sort of behind the scenes of their, their movies and things and also NASA scientists and astronauts and talking about space and all sorts of things so um but yeah sort of looking at that sort of merging of this science and science fiction film tv worlds he does yeah, a really good job well, he was a, a great guest when we did Interstellar. He was. It, it was yeah, yeah. you know this was the podcast where we got into general relativity <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's good that's good yeah he was good he was good explaining that yeah um, I mean anybody who can explain that I mean yeah they deserve a medal never mind <laughs> a podcast but they, yeah he did a really good job you're right I think I think Rich I think he took away your stress level by about 10 otherwise, otherwise Rich is the resident scientist yeah yeah <laughs> anyone listening Rich quoted uh, directly from something that he said in the episode that uh, where they looked at Interstellar general relativity yeah you actually said that phrase in the episode. yeah exactly exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly we did we didn't we decide that interstellar is the movie where uh where gravity is the bad guy i think yeah essentially yeah, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. i think is is probably christopher nolan's boldest move boldest move he's always <laughs> he's always playing around with time actually talking yeah. to podcasts i've just remembered because i do like a bit of true crime as well i do that's that's another um, mm. kind of side thing and I, i've got a, a really good friend of mine called um Robert Murphy, who's a journalist for ITV. We, we go back way, way back to our teens, actually, and he's ended up work, working for ITV. And he does, he's made a couple of um, true crime podcasts, uh, one called No Strings Attached, which is about um, uh, about an attempted murder where a, a husband, basically, with his wife were, were parachuting enthusiasts, and they, they tampered with the parachute so that she'd fall to her death, but incredibly she survived. And it's, um, it's an interesting true crime podcast. And he also did one called Catchy Melanie's Killer, which is about a, a notorious murder in the Bath and Bristol area from the 80s. And so they're, they're worth a listen as well if you get a chance there. So uh, yeah, I should, give, should should recommend that too. I, I listen to those avidly, not just because I know they're, they're, they're great true crime, but but also he's, he's, a, you know, he's, a, he's an old friend of mine, so he does a good job with those. I mean, I think I'm a, just, I'm a big fan of it as a medium. I'd like to listen yeah. to more. It's just there's only so many hours in the day. I mean, I, I've listened to the homeschool histories a fair bit with my daughter, um, mm-hmm. which they're obviously a Radio 4 programme as well. But it, it's... You know, I think podcasting has a 
kind of it is got a kind of intimacy through it that you don't get from TV. It's you know similar to radio, and I think the fact that anyone can do it is great as well. It's just created this massive variety of content that I don't mm. think you get in so many other mediums. Hey, this is Jack from Bad Counsel. You want some good counsel? Keep listening to my man Marv from Pods Like Us. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, Martin? Go on, tell how, me. How, <laughs> like, yeah, real, is, is this too much of a tangent? Um, but, you know, how would you recommend people find the podcast for them? Oh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I mean, my uh, my my stock answer would probably be: listen to my show, and you'll you'll hear me yeah. talking to people, and, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. you might get into their shows through that. Fair I mean, that, yeah. that should be my that would mm. be my corporate side. Yes. I suppose. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just keep trying them, and eventually you'll find one that suits you. Because you know, basically, like like you've said, there are that many shows there, and they are all so mm. different that I think they. That, there's something there for every single person who's looking for for a podcast. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you look on sort of the, you know, trending lists and things like that? I work a bit differently because I have to listen to, well, eventually I'm supposed to listen to everything, I suppose, but Mm. yeah, yeah, but, but there are certain shows that I will look for purposely, like, like your own show, because that suits me, to a T, basically. Mm. So there are shows like that that I um, that I gravitate towards, I suppose. Sure. But, yeah. Yeah, but, makes sense. Yeah, I suppose. So what advice would you actually give to people starting their own podcast for the first time? Um, That's a good question. It's a good question. Sorry. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think plan it in the first instance. Don't just sort of suddenly sit down with a friend and just talk. I mean, some people do 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 that very successfully, but I think that's quite a bold way to go into it. And I think stick with it. I think a lot of people will start a podcast and get to three or four episodes and think, mm, yeah, I really want to do this. I think you, you kind of have to keep going with it. And And I think as you get do a little bit more you get a little bit more comfortable with it you kind of work out what works what doesn't work um i i think that's the key you know a bit of perseverance and you know and don't be afraid to listen back to it as well you know Mm. it's um yeah as with any any sort of creative endeavor you know you kind of need to sort of pay attention to what you have done to kind of push it forward Yeah. yeah i think um time make sure that you've you know, you set aside a time for it, which is um, we timetable time in not just to sort of watch things, but research a bit about them um, and know that we're going to do it every sort of couple of weeks or so. So you, you, we've been pretty good at being pretty regular doing that. I suppose that's the thing of the podcast, even if you're away somewhere, you can still do it. I think also, um, and this is, I think, um, really um, because of Dave, we sorted out the tech because initially I think we were trying with the wrong tech and it wasn't working when we were doing the pilots and then when you sort of chatted to people and figured out what we needed then things started to go lots more smoothly isn't it Mm. 
That's true. I'm glad we did the pilots. Actually, that was that was a yeah. yeah just def- definitely just try things out and then and then just seek advice. I find the fact you know you you very kindly invited us on here and asking our, our advice. Now, one of the things that we found useful yeah when we were setting up is just ask around. People are really you know willing to share their insight. And we had a you know a number of people like Chris Fins. That was a standout. He's, he's a guy who makes podcasts in. Uh, he's based in um, in Dundee and he's an old uh, future publishing friend of ours. He gave us a bunch of advice. And of course, as we mentioned a few times, Dave Golden was sort of instrumental in enthusiasm and some of his ideas and things so yeah. just sort of you know ask around and you know people are usually it's a podcasting seems to be a very kind of friendly community of people who are quite happy to share that you know their the lessons that they've already learned so um yeah that's that's the thing that you're right Tanami. i think just just kind of ask around and see what works for people and take their advice when it comes to tech and stuff like that well i think an extension of that as well by talking to people you realize that it's not impossible you know that people can right. make a podcast and actually um doing the editing you know it's something that you do need to practice and learn but you can do it on your home computer it doesn't need sort of massive expensive software you know you might while well, you might need to spend a bit of money on a microphone it's not an insane amount of money right. and you know the decent microphone will make a difference to how it sounds but you know you you can um just with a bit of practice you can get you know reasonably comp- competent at it quite quickly i think and i think it's a very in that regard, it's a very democratized medium because anyone really can do it. Often the harder bit isn't the making it, it's actually getting your podcast out there so people will listen to it. Yeah. yeah. yeah and in yeah. that vein as well, think about using social media. So when you pick the name of your podcast at the same time, look, you know, for Twitter handle, Facebook page, all that kind of stuff that goes with it yeah. um, if you want to spread the word. Yes, the name of podcast is a tricky thing indeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my other half came up with my podcast name, and it is a it's a pun in itself because of it's it's based on an, a very obscure Paul McCartney song. Really? Is it? Yes. Yes. Sp- spies like us. Right. Ah. <laughs> Because of there being a Paul McCartney fan, you see. So. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. There we go. It's good. So it's a pun. This, yeah, this is it. It's mm-hmm. got a, you know, it's and the fact that it also means something to you as well is important. You know, it's a it's an extension of your your sort of personality. Absolutely, and it and it, it says it says what it needs to. It tells you what it is. It's about yeah, exactly. pods like us, so, yeah, yeah. podcast like us. So exactly, and, yeah, yeah. And I thought not our name. <laughs> no, which is not your name. Your name is Robbie the Robots Waiting. <laughs> <laughs> but is he talking Italian? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So how can people find your show and get hold of you? Uh, well, we're, 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 the podcast is hosted on Anchor, um, which is, you know, the Spotify-owned company that makes things nice and easy to, to publish podcasts. So that's another thing we, yeah, as you say, Tana, we the talk tech, that was one of the recommendations. So we use that. So it's, it's on... Um, uh, anchor as uh, anchor.fm slash uh, Robbie Sci-Fi, but also just easier to remember is uh, RobbieSciFi.com, um, and then there's all the podcasts there, and, and you can find it. And the, the contact information for us is there as well. But um, should I guess, add, it's Robbie with a Y. Robbie with a Y, yes, yes. like Robbie the robot, Robbie with a Y. And then we're we're um, on Twitter. We're uh, Twitter handle is uh, at Robbie Sci-Fi. Robbie with a Y, R O B B Y. S-C-I-F-I. So that's the way to find us. 
we're pretty active on, on Twitter, actually. It's probably the platform where we're, we're most likely to respond to stuff, I think. Yes, I've noticed that. <laughs> so, is, it, is it you that controls that that Twitter, or are all three of you in charge of that Twitter? Uh, is it just, oh, is we, it you, Dave? We've all got we've all got logins. I think Rich, yep. you and I are probably on there most. Tanya, I don't oh. think you dive into the messages there, do you? So much. I think. Um, no. Do I have a login? Oh my god! I don't uh, think everyone has that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we've uh, there, there is there is one. I, I, share, I share probably, it with you again. I but I think uh, so. Mostly when we're on there, it's it's Rich and me, isn't it? I think if you encounter encounter us on Twitter. Yeah, but I think we all we all look at the Twitter feed and. Mm. Um, we will sort of retweet and comment and things like that yeah, as well. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And we all have, you know, so I'll, I'll use, I'll link to my own personal Twitter as well. So, mm-hmm. which is at Tana VP. So um, yeah, we do that as well. Cool. Okay. Thank you very much for speaking with me today. Thank you for having well, us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, really yeah, good fun. Stuff. Appreciate yeah, it. Really nice okay. to catch up with you. Yeah. At, at last, at last, I've been able to chat with you all. <laughs> yeah, it's been really nice. It's been nice to catch up. Yeah, Fantastic. well, thank you for your, all your support of the show. Yeah. No, no problem. Really? I, like I said, you know, I love the show, so I'm going to keep supporting it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I forgot to ask, have you got any shows coming up that you're looking forward to? We've actually oh, we, got a few in the can, haven't we? We've got a few that we've recorded. So we've got one coming up very soon on Event Horizon. We've got Lost. Um, an actual lost episode about the island <laughs> show. Uh, we've got a special about Lucifer because Dave and Tanavi absolutely love it. Love Lucifer. And we are going into uh, an absolute favourite of certainly of Dave and mine uh, at Star Trek The Next Generation. Woo-hoo. Wow. Um, cool. So, yes, some, some, some good stuff in there. And I can say they were a lot of fun to record. So, yeah. uh, as soon as they get out there, hopefully people will enjoy them. Event Horizon, an incredible sci-fi horror. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and another, you know, continuing our obsession with black holes. <laughs> with black holes yeah. again, yeah. which might, yeah. which might yeah. explain the slight delay. <laughs> <laughs> or it might just be me. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed watching Event Horizon again. You know, actually, it was. I I'd sort of, uh, I I'd sort of forgotten how much fun it was, and that was, that was good to watch again. Have an mm. excuse to watch that. Yeah. Yeah, we've watched a lot actually recently. And it's again, it's the mixture. I think it kind of makes us do that. Like at the moment, watching anime. Yeah. Um mm. again for the for the podcast in many ways. And uh so yeah, it we I think I hope we continue to um sort of um taste the breadth of, of sci-fi and fantasy. Mm. Um but yeah, so that's that's why there's all sorts of stuff to come. That's great. Okay, if anybody wants to uh, to look for me, you can contact uh, podslikeus at gmail.com and just search on all the social net, well, the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for Pods Like Us, and you'll, you'll find a page for that. And I'm also on themarbzone.org. Oh, cool. For now, thank you very much, everyone, for listening, and I hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us.